Hey, hey, folks, and welcome to a very special episode of the Daily Ratings Podcast. So today we're going to be talking about 2023, kind of the year in film, uh, what we liked and what we didn't like. We're going to be taking a look at the new year and some of the movies that Vin and I are both excited for. We're also going to talk about just the daily ratings coming up in 2024. But most importantly, most of all, it is the Tom Daly Awards, the only award show that matters. So it's going to be a great time, folks. Make yourself a drink, sit down, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 2023 Tom Daly Awards. Here are your hosts, Tom Wrecker and Vincent Daly. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you, thank wow. you. Wow. Oh, my God, you made it. Tom Cruise is in the audience. Tom Cruise. Wow. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the thank you, thank you, thank wow. you. Wow. Uh, Vin, hello. Hey, Tom. How's it going? Uh, it's going okay for me. <laughs> Buddy, how, is your, how was your year of movies? Year of movies was pretty solid. I would say definitely in 2022 versus 2023. Yeah, uh, 2023 is coming out pretty strong. I pretty even, strong for year for film. Yes, and I think that 2024 looks even better. I was just saying mm. to you before, 2024, I think, looks better. Really? Wow. You disagree? Uh, more so maybe coming out of ignorance. I mean, I, I have I have some awareness of I've got a good out. list. Okay. And I think after we go through my list, you'll be excited for okay. some stuff. Okay, build up the hype. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to? Uh, some things. We'll say that towards the end. 2024, <laughs> okay. we'll say it to the end. I have I have five different sections of paper. Whoa! Some behind. Okay. Oh my! I I just see now. He's he's a. Uh, it looks like the Unabomber or something like that. <laughs> he's got he's got all these plans out. Uh, welcome everybody. Welcome to the Tom Daly, the wrap up show of 2023. Yes. Vin and I are very excited. Like it's, I mean, we usually never drink. Mm. Uh, we're bad enough on Mike already, but <laughs> but but we're drinking, folks. We hope Tom, that you are too. Tom makes some wonderful cocktails. If we ever do a meet and greet, he's he's full bartender. Uh, <laughs> Oh, good. I'm working. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm working with it while I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, this is just like last year. This is, like I said, our wrap-up year a little bit. Uh, hopefully, we're a little bit more polished and ready to go since from last year. But that was a great episode. <laughs> I think it was a great episode. Yeah, I mean, things came together <laughs> yeah. live. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the funny things was I was thinking about the name Tom Daly's. Okay. And I think we just... This is how we do. We don't really have many meetings. It's more so. I think we came up with it on one of the shows. Yes, like, it was called just the Tom kinda, Daly's. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> As I told you uh, right before you came over, Andrea said, "Have have a good time." Uh, are you looking forward to the Vinnies? <laughs> I was like, "The Vinnies isn't bad either." It's not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, okay, so how we're going to structure this is: let's talk 2023 a little bit, the year in film. Mm, yes. Then we'll get into the big main event, the sure. award show, and then we'll wrap up talk about 2024 films because I actually think there's some some stuff I'm excited to talk about yeah um, and to get ready and prep for this year so I started out I have this whole page of questions for you mm, to kind okay. of lead us in just talk about 2023 sure. a little bit sure and my biggest thing was and I made multiple choice for this because <laughs> I'm, gi- I'm, I'm giving glad. to you stuff yeah so you're not thinking <laughs> too much on the fly yeah, yeah, yeah but the biggest thing is in the future when we look back at this year people will say 2023 was the year of what mm, franchises okay for sure so, I, I didn't wait for the model <laughs> choice. Already broken. So I have A, uh, the year of biopics. Okay. Because Oppenheimer, Napoleon, uh, Enzo Ferrari, Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. Maestro. I, 
I also have the making of film. Okay. Because we kind of, and we had some that were dropped a little bit, but we had Air for mm. Air Jordans. We had Blackberry. Yep. We had Tetris. Sure. You could even say the hydrogen bomb. For, you you <laughs> could say Ferrari a little bit. It definitely was a company movie a little yep, bit. Yep. Um, was it also, could you also say it was the year of like big old director dudes? Mm, coming back. Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, David Fincher, Michael Mann, Hayao Miyazaki, Ridley Scott. Sure. You know, these old stalwarts, you know, these yeah. old dudes that have been in the business a little bit. Uh, Christopher Nolan still has decades to go yet. Sure, sure. But that, um, was it just, are people going to look back at 2023 and say it's the year of Barbenheimer? Uh, I think that's probably the, the real answer. Uh, <laughs> money talks and it's it's Barbenheimer. That, I mean, that was a cultural event yes. uh, around film. I mean, franchises was good too. I wonder if you look back at all the years, can you almost say that every year is a franchise because we have so many franchise movies? True. And, and in years past, I would never pay attention in the way that I did pay attention and structure right. you know, episodes. Yeah, around. we were franchise. Franchise heavy. Yeah, exactly. So in a good way. Yeah. Uh, if there was anything to leave behind, hopefully going into 2024 is less franchises, more unique IP. But also that I think that's that's probably going to be the case in every year. You know, you just could because, make it. A, a, yeah. yeah. Now, because here we have Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, Indiana Jones is something of importance. Sure. You know, sure. I would say if we a fun had, episode too. If yes, it was. In fact, I, we just rewatched uh, Raiders. Oh, okay. Nice. I've been going back this year on my own. I watched some films that we didn't cover. Okay. But I tried to also cover maybe some classics, and even though I didn't watch them f- for the episode mm. stuff, I tried to get back I think and it's just great. you know refresh myself a yeah. little bit, get in tuned a little bit. Get in tuned. Um, so the more I thought about this question too, when people look back at this, even if it's like ten years from now, it's like mm. oh, twenty twenty three, uh, finally out of COVID kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But also, will we say that oh that was the death of original animated stories? Ooh. I have a couple reasons for that. Okay. One, because every original thing basically fell flat on its face from Disney, Pixar. Mm, yeah, right, right. Um, you know, I, I know Super Mario Bros. was the second most, the second biggest movie in the entire world. <laughs> right, right. But that's not original. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and then you really only have The Boy and the Heron mm. with Hayao Miyazaki. Sure. Which is like a beautiful story ending, possibly his last film, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I feel like maybe because I think that 2024 when people look back at 2024, might mm-hmm. say it was the year of animated rehashing. Because mm. okay, we have Mufasa coming up. No so way. There's sto- a Mufasa. Oh Mufasa coming up. And then you have Kung Fu Panda 4. Sure. Inside yep. Out 2. Despicable Me Despicable Me 4. Yep. Incredibles 3. Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Yep, yep. Every major animated. Incredibles 3, really? Yeah. And that's Pixar proper. Yeah. I wonder if Brad Bird is directing that. Interesting. Okay. So... I, that's the thing, and I, I people aren't talking about the animated stuff this year too much mm, because everything mm-hmm. flopped. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But when I looked at when I was looking at the films for next year and realized everything mm-hmm. was rehashing old stuff, I couldn't believe it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's only going to get worse if uh, there's a lesson to learn from Super Mario Brothers. Uh, I mean, I, I don't feel yeah. like we are. Uh, Zelda movie was announced uh, as far as other Nintendo properties. So, yes, I think that might be uh, 2025. Yeah, and I think still being done by Illumination uh, as far as an animation studio. I feel like if anything, the lesson we learned in um, uh, in animation as a space is that the power shift is moving. There, the, I, I don't think Disney and Pixar as are, are as 
bulletproof as they were in Correct. the 2000s in the 90s i mean was it just it was recently um that pixar's film was not the winner at the oscars yeah, yeah. right i forget which year i don't think it was was it last year the year before that yeah was, uh, i think it was when spideyverse won maybe uh possibly uh i i think more so than anything i mean pixar is always just it, it, the meme is it's a shoe in if it's in the oscars it's gonna right. win the animated and know? that is just not a thing anymore yeah no i don't think so and did and, so. and disney typically with their own, it's so weird because you have Pixar proper mm-hmm. and then you have Disney proper. Mm, the way they yeah, separate, yeah. it's Absolutely. a little, you know. Yeah. But we have so many players now. Mm-hmm. We will be talking about an animation that is original that I'm excited for. Sure. In 2024, we'll talk yeah. about that later. Okay. But it's a Netflix release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. So. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think uh, out of the multiple choice of it, I would say probably a franchise uh, comes in line with the. Uh, I think it was choice B. Uh, going through some of the... Uh, <laughs> I have two A's here, unfortunately. I have A, A, B, C, and D. <laughs> so this is going... <laughs> some messy notes. It's staged. It's it, it, it's in stages. Uh, <laughs> but... Okay, so you're going with your own that you made up? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> e. E, yes, franchises. But, but franchise, and you're thinking uh, Barbara Heimer. Uh, I think so, yeah. Barbenheimer, I mean, it's 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 going to be remembered and, most importantly, try to be replicated by marketing of films. I feel like film houses will be in a collaborative mood uh, because of Barbenheimer. So this is actually my next question. Mm, okay. So is did Barbenheimer actually save the movies, as everybody says? <laughs> right, right. Or if they didn't exist, would other movies just step in? So, for mm. instance... I almost had a category for the special kind of awards. Okay. That's why it's just one of the categories was almost the most screwed movie of the, <laughs> of the year. One I love of, that. One of them being Mission Impossible. <laughs> sure. Mission yeah. only got one week yep. in IMAX. Mm-hmm. One week in IMAX before Oppenheimer stepped in and Barbie. Yep. Uh, and then you also had movies that were around there was Spider-Man Across the Universe and even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like everybody putting all this stuff in Barbaheimer. I don't know. I think Mission would have made a ton more money. Maybe as far as box mm. office would have been a little bit less yeah. for the year, but Mission would have done much better. I think Spider Man sure. would have done or better. Or even if it fell, if it, even if it flopped in some way, I feel like the salt in the wound would be less. Uh, right. We would be uh, talking about Mission Possible in a retrospective to say, "Oh, I'm excited for Part Two. Where I feel like. Uh, part two is is going to need some serious marketing to yeah. uh, be on people's radar because it got eaten up uh, so so, so much. severely. And that's what I was, and with the Barbenheimer, so much didn't have to do for the weeks leading up. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the films, sure, but it had so much to do with just marketing and people jumping on it because news jumping on it because it was a hot topic issue that yeah. they kind of created. Yeah, it uh, was self- I don't know if it's created. I feel like it, it, to detango with anything. Uh, right. I feel like uh, there was a semi-cultural event uh, a la Rocky Horror Picture Show that there was a you dress up and you go to see Barbie. Yes. And maybe you do tackle both Barbie and Oppenheimer back to back. And it, it, it is the they played well together because they were such opposite genres as yes. well. Right, right. Um, which does help. But I couldn't help some of it was so much was manufactured. Mm. I mean the good phones on their own own right. I mean gave eighty and an eighty four to those films. Right. It's They're not like great they films. Sh- it's not like they shouldn't have been seen. Mm. But you know what I mean? Just the the, the overwhelming praise of these movies saved the box office. Mm. I, I just wasn't buying it as much as what you could say that with 2022 mm-hmm. when you could really just basically say it was um, Maverick 
and then at the end of the year, Avatar. Yeah, very true. But it's very funny, true. Avatar so made mu- made so much money, but it was so assumed and baked into baked right, into the that cake it would make that so everybody much money. said that Maverick was the thing that saved box office. Yeah, right. Um, right. But just something that I don't know because I, Mission got hit so bad by that. Film. <laughs> it really, the, the casualty here is Mission Impossible, <clears throat> right? Uh, especially in its gearing up for a two parter finale of uh, and, prospectively Tom Cruise's involvement right. in the project. And this, and here's another question I had because. With this whole thing idea of like films that got screwed, mm-hmm. Mission definitely, but I think Killers of the Flower Moon. I oh, think really? I think if you didn't have a Barbie or mm-hmm. an Oppenheimer, Killers could take the big summer blockbuster a little bit. Sure. The reason being, it came out right around Halloween. A it, very awkward release, yeah. Among all the the schlock horror that was being released, yeah, as well. it, it just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And then then you had November coming in, which wasn't much. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. We had some, a lot of specials around that time. Mm-hmm. I just think that was a bad release time for that film. Sure, personally, sure. and I think it got hurt. I mean, you know, the three thirty didn't help either. Three hours <laughs> yeah, and thirty minutes for it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that this was a year where a lot of people could have an array of films that would be their number one? Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. You know, some I people think are going to say Barbie. Some people are going to say Oppenheimer, Killers yeah. of the Flower Moon. Absolutely. Ferrari, uh, maybe. I don't even... Maestro, if you're a Bradley sure, Cooper fan. Sure, absolutely. I feel like um, uh, there, there's a lot that could be everyone's personal favorite. I feel like even some of the franchise picks could be people's personal favorites. Not so much uh, Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, but... Um, Spider-Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like uh, Across the Spider-Verse could definitely be someone's favorite superhero movie, period. Uh, even with the cliffhanger part two uh, kind of aspect to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a, Yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because so many, I was just talking to more people this year too, mm-hmm. as, you know, people get more interested in the podcast and everything. Mm-hmm. Everyone really is different and has their taste. You're right. And it's kind of a joy to, and also listen to other people's content, other podcasts, mm-hmm. where I like our place here because, one, I think you hit it on the head pretty good. Like if I go through Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, or even Ebert with the stars, mm. uh, I'm always agreeing with you way more. Mm, okay. And even if you know you give me a hundred of your films, sure, I'm gonna totally disagree. And I mean like 15 percent plus or like 20 percent plus. Yeah, disagree that's, the, that's the variance in a v- much smaller amount. <laughs> I don't, give me 100, and it's just a handful of yours. <laughs> sure. Where I go on any other platform, uh-huh. and it's just like out of control. It's so untrustworthy. Mm, so I do okay. like the consistency of us a little bit, but. It, it's really been honing down of just, man, everybody has their own opinion. Sure. And sure. I think we're pretty consistent in what we do, so we're a good bellwether. Whether you like your reviews or yeah, not, you're yeah. something to go off of. And it's always been my opinion as well with uh, following any reviewer, personally or, or you know, for folks at home right. uh, listening to my opinions. Uh, it, it, it's about kind of using my opinions to gauge your own reactions Yeah, to it's it. how it should you be un- done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. But too many people just go Rotten Tomatoes and then that's it. Yeah. Even though everyone knows Rotten Tomatoes sucks, mm-hmm. everyone will still use it. Absolutely. Because it's convenient. Right. And yeah. then NBC buys a large enough share. Well, Comcast buys a large enough share, share mm-hmm. like 10% or even way more, 30 40% okay. potentially okay. of Rotten Tomatoes. So then on Peacock, because it's, it's NBC, right they yeah, can yeah, go yeah. ahead and get the Rotten Tomatoes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's, you also can't be, how you going to be honest? You're getting paid by the other guys. <laughs> Um, and then <laughs> thoughts on your 2023 digital or streaming releases. Mm, I feel like streaming, the, the highlights in streaming have been 
like something like Killers of the Flower Moon, where Apple is involved but not necessarily mm, okay. uh, trying to get people as the main offering to their platform. Right. Um, I feel like the money for the project, but no one's going to Apple for Killers. Exactly. Because it was still a theater release. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I feel like, uh, if anything, what I would like to see kind of uh, brought over from 2023 uh, to 2024 is companies. And streaming companies specifically producing movies, but not getting their hands in the pot too much. Mm-hmm. And if anything, yeah. leaning on these auteurs, leaning on these classic talents uh, that yeah. we talked about just a second ago, and taking them and just saying, "Hey, you do great work. Uh, we're just going to give you money and kind of step back." Obviously, there was much more involvement with Apple for Killers as an example there. Uh, I can piggyback off that, and what you're saying exactly sure. is what happened with David Fincher and The Killer. Oh, okay, which we did not love. Right, because Netflix is very hands off. Yeah, which sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe if a studio doesn't want the killer, he can go to you know David Fincher could go to Netflix and mm. they'll say, okay, here's a here's here's your money. Right, and then go do whatever you want. We're not going to bother you. Sure, I like that, but I like I don't like the killer. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh yeah. It, well, I mean, I think I think the actual. Whatever the artistic creation is, uh, that, that's that's still worthy of um, of kind of critical analysis right, to say right. if it's good or bad. The, the coin flip of if it's good or bad. Uh, but at the same time, I just feel like the tone uh, and at least from the public, how we've seen streaming platforms interact with these projects, mm-hmm. I think that's a good trend moving over to the new year. Okay. Uh, then my last question is just what ideas or practices did we like for 2023? And hope that hope the industry keeps for 2024. What are the ideas or practices they did that we hope they drop for 2024? Oh, what they drop? Um, uh, you know, like I said, uh, it could be just the fact that I had covered so many franchises and kind of tackled this year in a much more cover everything. You know, don't don't try to not let anything slip by. But I think franchises. I feel like less franchises, but that is uh, me. Uh, barking up the wrong right. tree. <laughs> I feel like the lesson this year had with franchises that is going to create steam for more franchise movies. Right, right. Uh, again, uh, the pinpoint example is probably a tie between Super Mario Brothers and and Barbie. Uh, yes, maybe John Wick Four for like the action fans Ooh, and, the, sure. and, and the hardcore fans of that. Sure, which I would want nothing less than a John Wick Five. Right. I'm fine which with Ballerina. Getting, I'm fine with you know spinoffs. Uh, I I don't want John Wick Five. Oh, we're getting it. Much like I don't want Heat Two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, just just stop, please stop. Uh, and what what practices did we kind of see in 2023? You hope sticks that you hope. Continue that. Like, good lesson here. Mm. Keep it for 2024. I, I think that's where it comes into this uh, streaming involvement, streaming okay. platform involvement uh, that, that we just talked about. Okay. One thing I will say is I – and I'm sure this is how it's been for the past few years, mm-hmm. maybe for the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't stand the amount of uh, award – chatter there are on these smaller independent films okay and everything gets released in the last 20 days of the year <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely had a bone to pick with Super some international annoying. stuff and and more of the indie sphere of it uh, and, and even some of the theatrical releases sure it's annoying that there's no reason why we have to forget about the first three months of the year mm. uh i don't know why we need to it's always a late November and late December push mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. big Oscar film. You know what I mean? The award yeah, exactly. kind of films. Yep. And I understand the purpose of it, but at the same time, it's 
There's no reason why we can't expand kind of our window of release. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why can't January be a month where people want to go to the movies? Sure. Same <laughs> same thing with February. Because I don't want to go to the movies. In right, and not only that, it, it's when it is Thanksgiving. You know, maybe right. it's not actually the most convenient thing to go to the movies that weekend mm. or that week. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the holidays around Christmas or whatever. Mm. Especially New Year, it's just you know maybe that's not on people's mind all that much. Yeah, when we have nothing to do in January, February, right. and early March, You're give right. us something to do. Let us go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. Instead, we throw out like schlock, especially this past year mm. with all just the uh, just this the, whole, the horror stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So the release window and schedule, I hope, can get reshuffled for twenty twenty four. Sure. Because it's just frustrating. Uh, to be fair, I mean, I think uh, this this year was accentuated by the um, the writer strike uh, and the actor strike, just kind of right. pushing everything. I mean, uh, I think a perfect example is American Fiction, a movie a, a lot of people I think wanted to see. There was buzz around it. It came in a wide release on December fifteenth. Was knocked out of theaters by December twenty fourth. Nine. Right, because you had poor things in Ferrari. Exactly. Yeah. Nine days. I don't think that's a fair shake to any movie, no. regardless of quality, and and it looks to be of quality too. Right. So. And, uh, and that's and Boy the Heron was supposed to be in the summer. Sure. That got pushed back like six months. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So that's pretty much 2023. That's my questions for 2023, Vin. So we're gonna go into the Tom Daly Awards here. There it is. Uh, let's start off with. Yeah. Where are we start? Oh, I was actually gonna start off with the questions with these, but okay, we'll do it now. Oh. Okay. Uh, just okay. To, just to recap a little bit of what you covered this year. Okay. Uh, you covered 28 horror films in 20 for Whoa. 2023. My you God. covered, and I think that's just 2023. Yeah. I believe, or maybe total. No, it's total. Yeah. I think of the podcast. You cover 23 animated films on okay. the podcast. Wow. Okay. I cover 21. <laughs> or I, I watch 21 new films. Sure. 2023 films. Okay. And I said 23 if you count being asleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some of those I watched after the podcast, though. But still, oh, I wanted okay. to refresh you, myself. You came back to and it. And maybe one personal curiosity, like I say often, you know, oh, I'm going to watch this when I watch sure. this. Yeah, I yeah. end up do watching, mm-hmm. especially for this episode. So I watched around 21, and then I also watched a bunch of the old stuff, too. Not always a Tommy Two Shoes. Right, right. Right. That's correct. <laughs> uh, and then I watched a lot more than that as far as like older films we also covered. But 2023 releases, I watched about 21. Uh, new films, Vin, you watched 89 Whoa. 2023 releases this what, year. What was what was twenty? 20- 22 uh less than that it was about 75 wow. 76 i believe wow okay. yeah so you okay. covered 89 films uh older films you covered on the podcast was 157 <laughs> for a total of you watch 246 films wow i just want to remind people when, when we ask you know become a producer and to donate 246 films That's is 200 246 separate note-taking sessions mm, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see Vin's notes from across the table. <laughs> uh, multiple paragraphs per film yep. times that by 246. Sure. It is hours and hours, if not days, <laughs> uh, when you add it up uh, just doing film reviews yep. so he can be solid on the podcast here. 200. And forty six films, Vin. So be proud of that. That's what I, be proud I'm, of. I am proud. I, I think I think we did a great job this year. We covered uh, a lot, uh, both of us, uh, as far as making sure that we did our homework on some things. You know, I, I go back to the Fast and Furious two parter episode, yeah. and and as 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 ridiculous as it was, uh, and has <laughs> the real fear of it breaking my taste in movies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real the real panic and anxiety that these movies broke my brain um at at a certain point i feel like the franchise homework i feel like the ones that we did tackle were absolutely worth it i I think back to Jurassic park 
I uh, oh my god, was yeah, that, was that in the calendar year? I think so. I think Maybe was, I'm wrong. I think it was 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Still thinking back yeah. to Jurassic Park, <laughs> Mission Impossible, you know, things like that. Yeah, like so. you said, the indie was fun. <laughs> oh, and and not to mention that uh, Fast X, mm. Fast Ten, was the the best episode, the best performing episode. <laughs> In the podcast Go history figure. still. Go <laughs> so I'm glad we did it too. Sure, yeah. And I didn't watch any of them. <laughs> all right, folks. So let's go ahead and get into the Tom Daly Awards, all right? All right. Yeah, yes, everyone's very excited. <laughs> After some chatter. Did you, did you folks enjoy the chatter? Because <laughs> there's a lot of it. Okay, all right, Vince. So we're going to go through our main awards here. All the categories people are interested in, the main stuff that we would know. Yep. After that, we'll go into our specialty awards. Oh, yes. Still Tom Daly's. But with another title in front of them, and I'm gonna. Ask, those are surprises for you. The surprise Tom Daly's. That's correct. Which, which are my favorite awards, honestly. <laughs> what do you want to start with here, Ben? That's a tough question. Uh, we I have animated with, or horror. Uh, let's do. Let's do horror. What did you have first? <laughs> okay. Because you clearly had to scroll down no, a decent. No, no, I have them sectioned off in different ways. So, uh, <laughs> what, honestly, whatever you want to start. All with. right, we're gonna start with best horror film. Okay. How about that? All right. Big year for horror. Yeah. How we're going to structure this, too, a little bit is I'm going to kind of give – step inside to the corners of your brain that maybe you (laughs) forgot about. Okay. But – I like that. But also basically just kind of think what I might be for this. Okay. You can go ahead and give the real – you can go ahead and give the honorable mentions, Mm. otherwise known as the nominees. Sure, sure. And then go ahead and give the actual winner. Exactly. We don't have to do a top ten. Zoom in on the actors even though they're in the room. (laughs) We don't get to do You said that last year, too. Don't zoom in on the actors. (laughs) Is that a pet peeve? The cinematography of these. <laughs> All right, best horror film. Only three really came to mind. Yeah, and this is one of the things where you know because we are percentage based mm. with the daily rating, we kind of know the winner. Absolutely. Uh, but things that definitely came to mind were Infinity Pool in the begin in the beginning mm. of the year. Yes, that was an early one. It was so weird, but so very weird. cool, well acted. You only gave it a seventy percent, but mm. thought we could mention it at least. Yeah. And then another one is Talk to Me, oh, which yes. had a seventy four percent. Small cast, small crew, cheap mm-hmm. budget, mm-hmm. but you loved it. Absolutely. A 74% might not be everyone's got to see this film, mm-hmm. but for what this film was, it it just it um it, it performed so well. Exactly, exactly. Um, I hope with with Talk to Me, it wasn't overhyped in ways because uh, people that I've talked to after recommending it to them, they said, yeah, it was all right, but I feel like it was so solid uh, in a year where there was so much schlock. <laughs> right, <laughs> it was, right. It was like just just garbage. Um, <laughs> I feel like it was a really quality horror horror movie. Okay. Um, any mentions and who was the winner? Uh, you hit the nail on the head as far as the mentions. Uh, talk to me in Infinity Pool. My, my comments on Infinity Pool. Oh, those you too? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> uh, my comments on Infinity Pool are just that um, I feel like I've, I've come to appreciate a little bit of the surrealism to the film uh, a little bit more after it. Okay. Uh, and some of what it's trying to poke fun at for like uh, not vacation culture, but what these type of resort locations actually operate as. Uh, and I feel like um, going back to the re- review and also watching the movie, yeah. I was hyper-focused on like the technology uh, of things, and I still have my issues with that. Yeah. And I still think people will get caught 
snagged on that, but uh, I, I, I have a lot more appreciation for that film now because I feel like it's very bold and, and, and absolutely insane, as all Cronenberg <laughs> properties are, whether it's the father or the son <laughs> uh, doing it. So, But absolutely the winner for best horror. Uh, folks, it, the writing was on the wall. I was electric on this film and arguably was something that I was not expecting to be good because of my history with the franchise. The winner for best horror 2023 the Tom Daly goes to Evil Dead Rise an absolutely fantastic horror movie you love that movie you gave it a 79% yep. surprised you yes uh, Evil Dead was a franchise that you did not love yeah uh, we're maybe hoping that you would like it more yeah and then Evil Dead Rise coming that no one was asking for a reboot mm-hmm. or a revival uh, this didn't touch with a lot of the old baggage of yep. those films. Started mm-hmm. kind of fresh. Again, not that anyone was asking for sure, it. Sure, sure. Uh, you walked into this and came out uh, loving yes, this film. I really did. Uh, Performance-wise, it was so creepy. It was so such a right mix of what I feel, even as an appreciator of the Evil Dead franchise. Right. Even though they may not be my bag, I can appreciate the filmmaking and and Sam Raimi's creative style in all of these uh, older films. I feel like this captured it in a way that uh, was just the right mix of what Evil Dead is about when it comes to comedy, what it's about when it comes to like body horror uh, right. and, and mutilation, and it was just it, it was everything I wanted. And I, I honestly, all year I've been recommending that movie, so it has to get the Tom Daly. <laughs> all right, so for the best horror film of 2023 is Evil Dead Rise, directed by Lee Cronin, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got a daily rating of 79%. Great movie. Uh, and also, just don't forget, folks, that these main awards are only 2023 specific. Yes, This yes. is proper 2023 films. Again, we watched about 90 of them this year. Uh, let's move on to best animated film, Vin. And animated films did okay this year. Right, right. I feel like there's a, a there's a swing when it comes to like Super Mario probably holding the <laughs> the whole industry up. You know, how much box money. office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, box office. It goes to them. Yeah, we, we like Super Mario. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I don't think I watched it for the podcast. I can't remember. Okay, I watched it after in theaters, I uh-huh. believe, and in IMAX. But um, it it was a fine performing film, mm-hmm. but it was a little generic and nothing. Unbelievably special. Sure. I think overall it was just a very good – it touched multiple generations, mm. and it was just just friendly enough. Where it was a good movie at the time for everyone to go see. Yeah, yep. And, it, man, it was like lightning in a bottle. Exactly. And that lightning in the bottle, I mean, the fact that it, it, it can touch on every generation, I think. I feel like that – was the secret ingredient to why it was so successful and why people loved it so much because honestly I don't think there's a there's many audiences that wouldn't be targeted by that movie yeah. in some way. Uh, other mentions I I did have Puss in Boots is a 2022 release but we watched it was like Did it, we watch it in 2023? We did. We watched it in 2023. <laughs> Just wanted to give a quick mention because we did like that movie. Uh, but otherwise it was it was a good year for your non-classic animated films mm. you know so we had Suzume at an 80% yep and which is very good performing like as an anime big director and then we've we had across the spider-verse mm-hmm. which is has become kind of a big american 
franchise now. Yeah, yeah, But not absolutely. coming from like a studio. It's not like, well, check out the latest Pixar film. Sure. Check out the latest it's Illumination Sony Animation, or something. which is pretty broad, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Across the Spider-Verse is 79, Suzume at 80. Any other notes or who's the winner? No, once again, uh, hit hit on my my mentions okay. perfectly. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk before, folks. Yeah, we did not. Uh, when it comes to Spider-Verse, uh, I feel like the big cliffhanger, let's just see what part two does. Um, I didn't love a trend of cliffhangers throughout yeah. the year. Uh, I obviously there's no coordination there uh, among you know project to project, but uh, there were a lot of cliffhangers. But Spider Verse is just such a visual feast. Mm. Uh, I mean, a feast. Uh, the amount of changing uh, artistic styles within the film and how that plays as well into the story, arguably telling one of the best multi-dimensional type of comic book stories that we've seen kind of be coming in more and more in style. Uh, I mean, it's really just great. Very, very strong honorable mention. Suzume as well. I, I feel like uh, I was taking a risk with that episode doing such a strong anime-heavy episode. Once again, people liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I feel like Suzume was... Um, for me, it hit like Howl's Moving Castle, where the magic and the fantasy mm. was light enough, uh, but that brevity, that lightness, didn't take away from stakes from the film. Uh, and I feel like that's where it hit kind of a uh, that nice magic piece. Also, very much a uh, Japanese appreciation type of movie, as a lot of his movies are. So, but absolutely the winner. Of uh, the Tom Daly best animated, it. gotta go. I called it right on the episode. <laughs> we put it in the recap episode for the year. It is Blue Giant. Yeah, Blue Giant, folks. Yeah, one of the best movies for jazz appreciators. Period. No less anime appreciators, which jazz kind of lives in a dynamic style among anime, uh, especially coming out recently uh, with uh, what we've seen in mainstream anime with like beautiful opening sequences and just like uh, again visual feasts uh, that are paired with the music uh, Blue Giant hits it all uh, yeah, an yeah. inspiring movie uh, visual feast on its own it came out of nowhere oh yeah no one can I just say no one <laughs> in all the, the the research I've been doing li- trying to listen to other people right. see what's up for the end of the year because there's so much going on uh, Blue Giant has never been uttered those two words together <laughs> have been uttered together at all yeah yeah uh, I would say the only thing missing from Honorable Mentions or Winners is of course uh, Boy and the Heron Miyazaki. Yeah, uh, I thought it was very good. Uh, in uh, um, full honesty, though, in comparison to these three, it falls short. I yeah. feel like I choose all three of these uh, over Boy and the Heron. Uh, not throwing shade to Miyazaki, love him to death. It, huge respect. Yeah, huge respect for the man. Uh, but Blue Giant was exciting. I, I think going back into the review, I, I think I said it um, palatable for yeah. many audiences. Yes, yep. uh, And I feel that is important for gateway drugs when it comes to anime because <laughs> yes. many people are against animation, period. They say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to go see that. And then anime is an extra step in that direction. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Blue Giant hits such a, a magic note and I finally, in the course of the podcast, have something that I can recommend wholesale. So... Such a small cast, a small project. I, yeah. like, I don't even think Wikipedia has a page for Blue Giant. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I love that you loved it. Love that we covered it and got it on there. 82- also worth like the hour drive. <laughs> oh, that's right. There. That's yeah, right. Drove- <laughs> 82% for Blue Giant wins Best Animated Film. Well deserved. That will be the only uh, award that gets, I think, <laughs> in, the, in the coming months. That's what- yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, which is unfortunate, actually. But, uh, yeah, 82 for Blue Giant. Huge, huge score. Mm-hmm. All right, that's Best Animated Film. I have VFX next. 
okay, yeah, let's do it. And let's, what did you have naturally? I, 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 I had it kind of sectioned off in uh, genre versus production versus the heavy hitters. Uh, so, but, okay. Uh, how about we do best action? Oh, uh, yes. That's, yep. That is an award I forgot to write down and have. Okay. <laughs> okay, so best. On the Google Sheets. <laughs> best action. Best action uh, for 2023, Vin. I mean, top of mind, the thing that comes to mind is John Wick mm, 4. Yeah. And I don't think there's much else than that. <laughs> I actually had a few different uh, uh, mentions here. I would say Creed 3. Yeah. Uh, yep. People forgot about that one, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean. Creed 3 came out. <laughs> I forgot about a few reasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Creed 3, I really go back to that, the main title fight between um, uh, our, our two main characters and such a such a cool and inventive way to present the action within the ring, which is something that is so washed out and so done to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say as well, another mention is Godzilla minus one. Mm. Um, not your traditional action movie, certainly not your traditional Godzilla Godzilla film, but it's emotion driving the action forward, and um, in a way that I think no Godzilla has accomplished actually makes us care about the human element, which has always been a critique of mine with these films, that get the humans out, it's about the kaiju, it's about the monsters, minus one makes you care. I would say last honorable mention, probably a leftover from what we thought was going to be maybe like a best superhero category. I'm going to give it to Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, uh, I feel like action-wise, uh, Guardians 3 takes it up quite a notch, whether it's the interaction uh, with other superheroes or uh, mainly what I'm thinking of is this one-take action shot with the whole team uh, towards the end of the film. Really inventive styling and and, and such a good feather in, in the cap of James Gunn. Mm-hmm, uh, moving yeah. on to, to Greener Pastures or... Or uh, more darker, yeah. washed out DC <laughs> pastures. Well, but you hit it on the head, Tom. Uh, winner obviously goes to John Wick Four. Okay, the, the, yeah. the best action film of the year. I mean, it is such an enjoyable movie. Coming back to it. I watched it two separate times. One skipping forward to just the action scenes I wanted to see. I wanted to see right, the club right. scene. I wanted to see some of uh, why can't I remember his name? Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. Yes. Yeah. Just watching some of those scenes again. After that, finding those action scenes maybe good, but I was like, I, I don't know why I don't feel the the same way about this action. I watched it all the way through and I felt that okay. once again. So I feel like that earns it because it's not just about the action scenes or a couple standout scenes. It really is about the full ride with John Wick 4. That's excellent. That's great that you went back and did that. Yeah. Because my big critique was that was I, I feel like 20 minutes could have been shaved off mm-hmm. and shave off some of those slower moments. Sure, But sure. that's good watching it back and kind of going over. I have not gone back and watched it. Oh, really? I okay. want, want to because I, I like the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excellent, John Wick four yep. with a seventy nine percent. I think so. Yeah, I okay. think so. Seventy nine percent. John Wick for best action of twenty twenty three. Yep. Okay, let's go to VFX. Uh, or yes, no. yeah, oh. no, no, that's good. Yeah, because the other ones I have are like the yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> so VFX really trips me up, and I even think I asked you last week or something like mm. that, where I was like, "Did you want to separate VFX and practical effects?" And right. Because we always hate CGI whenever it's included, so sure. we only do practical effects. I was sure. a little bit confused by this. I only have two basic mentions then, mm. uh, actually, okay. and you can just run with this genre or this category with how you want. Okay. But I assume that maybe 
Barbie had to be mentioned. Yes. Okay. Um, Not only because of set design, but because also just visuals and everything that happened in that film that was so poppy, so fun. Absolutely. And and you could easily take a jab at Barbie and say, oh, it looks cheap. Well, that's also the the function of what it's going after. It's trying to be these plastic dollhouses. So I I had that, and then I just had the creator Mm. because it's such a small – not only you, but and other people are saying it too. But you really uh, hit home on this: a low budget film mm. for the visual effects that was being produced. Oh, absolutely! You were blown away with how much of this kind of smaller produced film yep. was able to punch so hard. Yeah. So I yeah. figured that had to be mentioned. The creator. Uh, I have no idea what you have or how you kind of wanted to approach uh, this. Yeah, no, uh, Barbie creator. Uh, I my my notes with the creator really it just comes down to the fact that does. Gareth Ed- uh, uh, Gareth Edwards uh, Gareth Edwards I think Edwards Edwards <laughs> uh, does him working intelligently smartly with his budget and with his visual effects team does that make a better movie I don't know uh, sitting on the creator more I feel like it gets lost more and more in the shuffle because of how generic some story elements are and and again going back to uh, Denzel's son's performance being kind of a little right. lackluster uh, but no, known as Denzel's son I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry John David Washington uh, <laughs> but uh, when it when it comes to that I I, I do think there is an appreciation, even if you're not looking at the production elements and saying, "Wow, what did what he accomplished?" You're just watching the movie, which we encourage on the show. Yeah, uh, there is still such a, a amazing design to the robots, the mechs, the guns. I mean, this does have a District Nine level uh, of fidelity to it. Uh, is on my list to buy as an art book because I love that type of stuff. I love like, yeah. kind of cutting edge mech, mech stuff. So, one other thing, just in the blend of VFX being practical and you know digital or CGI, practical wise, I'm gonna I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Poor Things. Um, oh I wow! Feel like okay. The sets of Poor Things again. It, it felt like Dr. Seuss without being Dr. Seuss. It felt like a Picasso painting at certain points. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, as. Um, Bella Baxter, Emma Stone's character travels to different areas. Uh, each are just, um, I don't know, they're impressionistic. Uh, they uh, they bleed the, the mood of that city without being the city directly. Right, right, sure. Uh, so I definitely want to give some props there. I, I would say, without a doubt, though, uh, and I'm going to break the rule a tiny bit for VFX <laughs> here, but we're already in kind of a gray area with VFX. Uh, there was only one that I really would describe as just a feast for the eyes, and it is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Oh, oh, that's, oh my God. <laughs> duh. <laughs> Spider-Man, I mean, it comes down to that first fight scene. The fact that okay. you were introduced in the movie, and, it's, and it looks visually different uh, from what we're used to. That can be a bit jarring. Once it sets in, though, that we're in Gwen Stacy's or Spider-Gwen's universe, and it's this kind of like watercolor, uh, bled-together music dimension, as soon as that is broken by the introduction of, I kid you not, a Da Vinci sketch vulture, and then on top of that we get this cyberpunk uh, Spider-Man 2077 or whatever it is, 20, uh, I forget what what the Spider-Man is called, cyberpunk Spider-Man, all that mixed together... (laughs) I mean, the film is doing that constantly. The big and thing was, it, it was such, it, how do you top one? 
Yeah. One was such a feast for the eyes and so it came out of nowhere. Like yeah. People were just loved that film so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you keep it going now? Yeah. You know, you don't want to settle down on it and you love the way they kind of reinvented themselves a little bit or yes. at least visuals weren't rinse and repeat. Right. They right. came back with more. Where Spider-Man, uh, or I'm sorry, where Spider-Verse 1 was about other styles coming into Miles Morales' singular kind of comic book almost losing frames in the animation style across the Spider-Verse was taking many realms of styles and mashing mm-hmm. them together. And the fact that that could have just ended so poorly <laughs> and been such a visual <laughs> mess. Right. Uh, and no less, it is so enjoyable to watch. Um, I got to say, that you know, the winner for Best VFX absolutely goes to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Excellent. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Spider-Man Across, the, and again, 79% you gave yeah. that this year. Uh, that's the daily rating on it. Uh, okay, let's move on to... To screenplay? Uh, sure. Or what do you got next? Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm I'm going wherever you okay. want to go here. <laughs> uh, I ha- by the way, okay. So I have VFX, screenplay, music, editing, cinematography. Okay. Yeah, Just that to works. Let you know. Yep, okay. Yep. All right. So best screenplay. Now we're getting to some heavy hitter stuff as mm, well. Mm. Best screenplay. I have uh, basically four maybe mentions. I was thinking about should be mentioned. Uh, you might have more as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. This was fun to think about because I don't know where you're going to go with this. Sure. I don't know what's going to win. Yeah. These uh, were definitely tough. And I think that was also my temperature on this being such a good year in comparison to 2022. Where right. 2022, I, you know, listen back to some of those awards, it's just like, I, I can definitely tell I'm picking from like one choice only <laughs> where there are legitimately like honorable mentions they, here. Yeah, there totally are. Yeah. And, and And again, I didn't watch all of these. It's uh-huh. just... Being with you, being mm. the guy in the room listening to these. Sure. I, mean, I listen to every show probably three times. Oh, right, right. Just the live editing. editing. I try Absolutely. to you know, I just try to do quality control type stuff. Yep. So I that's why I'm saying just maybe get in there something that maybe you haven't thought about or mm. what, what I know going off of you, what yep. I would assume goes in here. Uh, one that I don't know if you have or not, but I wanted to give it a mention for screenplay. Okay. I did see this with you. We saw it in theaters. This was Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah. Um, Wes Anderson in true Wes Anderson style. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his script through and through. Yeah. You can just tell by the writing. It's weird. You can even get lost a little bit. I definitely it's get lost. It's funny, yeah. funky, and all. Uh, we weren't crazy hot on that i think mm-hmm. it got in the low 70s potentially i think so i gave it two shoes nothing else yep and you know but it's still wes anderson it mm. might not be to the heights of a budapest mm. um but the dialogue here this the screenplay was quite good and, and ambitious as well i mean uh, you hit the nail on the head getting lost in that film very possible yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. very possible uh just with how it kind of exists on a story level and then kind of a meta level yeah uh, of the production of the story itself, but uh, worthy of note because that's that's very ambitious and probably the first time we've seen Wes Anderson at least make an attempt to maybe <laughs> break from his his usual trappings. Right, you know right. What I mean, it's it's finally a, a, in a little bit of a new direction. Uh, also, uh, Roman Coppola also was um, oh, the writer, uh, co-writer on that. Okay, yeah, yeah, co-writer. In addition to Wes and, Anderson. Anderson as well. Okay. I'll name the other three I have, but okay. I'll just mention them. You take yeah. it however you want. Yeah. They might be a winner. They might not. Uh, I do have poor things on here. Okay. Uh, screenplay by Tony McNamara. Yep, yep. Uh, and I, then uh, the book is uh, Alexander Gray, I okay, guess. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so you had it as a mention as well, yes, sounds yeah, like. Absolutely. But I can only imagine him 
with how weird it was, how crazy it was, how you have to deal with Emma Stone being a little girl trying to figure <laughs> out adulthood, being in an adult body. Right. It was wild film. It really it was. It certainly came across like that. Yeah. So that's why I have that mentioned here. Killers of the Flower Moon as well and Oppenheimer. Mm, okay, interesting. I don't have Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. Wow, okay. Uh, not throwing shade or anything. No, Obviously, no, no, excellent. Fine. You know what I mean? I feel like Why Poor Things stood out for me a little bit more, even with it being an adapted from a book. I, I, I don't know. I don't know this. Uh, Alessandra Gray. It was just it was a legitimately unsettlingly funny script. Right. Uh, and I feel like something was done there that uh, was done in no other movie, and it got really... Uh, vocal laughter out of the theater I was in. Again, that theater shaved off lower and lower, so I guess I was left with all the weirdos or, or any other reviewers obligated to say. But uh, I feel like there was just such a unique approach to not push boundaries in a divisive way. Uh, it's trying to push boundaries as far as the script goes uh, in making us laugh and p- forcing that kind of awkward, dark humor that uh, Yorgos right. is known for. Yeah, yeah. So, I would say another honorable mention is Celine's song for Past Lives. Oh, um, yes, yes. Uh, a uh, Much like Anatomy of the Fall, I guess could be a soft honorable mention here. Oh, what am I saying? I should have put that in here. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I had most of the list done. <laughs> I had this list done before. <laughs> and, and to your point earlier, so much is backloaded into the year. Uh, it's so you know? annoying. Anatomy yeah. of the Fall, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but at, at least for Past Lives, Celine's song, uh, I feel like, This script just spoke to a cultural experience and invited us into a cultural experience that a majority of the people watching the film would have no... Uh, respect mm-hmm. or or no chance at trying to grasp. Uh, like Anatomy of the Fall, a strong dual language film, which I want to give some props to, uh, which I love to see. Not uh, annoying. Surprisingly yeah. not annoying. Right. Uh, we both liked it in Anatomy of the Fall. Sure. Anatomy of a Fall. And yeah, uh, yeah Past Lives. Ex- excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of those films, maybe the balancing act that happens is that yeah, there's subtitles, and maybe that's exhausting for some people to to watch or to comprehend and, and, and still digest what's on film. Yeah. But it's almost like a break. You have a break sometimes, and <laughs> you kind of come back to it, and then you're able to you know, attack the subtitles or attack the real yes. concepts that's being unpacked. The only issue I had that were could be annoying mm-hmm. across audiences is, with, like, for instance, Anatomy of Fall. I don't know how this is if it was uh, segmented for past lives. Mm. With Anatomy of the Fall, you were either had the subtitles on or you had them off. Mm. Okay, subtitles did not pop on when French was being spoke, and mm. then they turned off when English was being yes. spoken. <laughs> right, You know right. what I mean? And I think I remember back to the review, you said you were struggling I was going back, back and, and forth, forth like, like, screw it, keep them on. Yeah, but yeah. even when they were speaking a language I understood, <laughs> I found my eyes going to the words still. Oh, sure, And not sure. focus on the screen. Yeah. So maybe that, I don't, did past lives break it up where they're speaking Korean, I believe, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, it's the, that had a, a kind of a structural approach as well, that the two sides of this relationship, her American boyfriend... Uh, yeah, uh, is obviously all English, but she's able to almost transport into her old Korean past life with, uh, with gotcha, this, gotcha. You know, through this other uh, you know Korean relationship. So uh, definitely, definitely very good. And Celine Strong I'm, or Celine Song, a, a, a talent I'll be looking out for. The winner for best screenplay, though. Uh, I, the writing may be a little bit once again on the wall when it comes down to scores with this, but there was there was. I don't count myself as liking anything feel good. Uh, I really don't. Oh, you're typically anti. Right, right. Correct. I want to feel I, bad. You hate. 
you hate when somebody comes up to you and be like, watch it. It's a feel-good movie. Right. It's a feel-good. You'll love it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, no. Don't I don't like say dog movies. I don't like Coda. Well. I don't like Disney Channel. You know what I mean? I don't like any of this. I don't want to feel good. I want to feel miserable from a film. But uh, there was one script that really won me over, and I really mean script because if there was something that that just drove it home. It was just a tight script for every single character. That is David Hemmingson for The Holdovers gets the Tom Daly oh, for best. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Oh my gosh. No fun. No argument. No yeah. argument there. Yeah. I mean, to the point that every single character, the wow. janitor, yeah. the, uh, everyone. <laughs> Literally I mean, everyone. No, you're hitting, you're, you've got a good track record. I'm hitting these, <laughs> these honorable mentions. But yeah, uh, yeah David Hemmingson, absolutely phenomenal. Really just, just won me over in such a genuine way. That's true. That movie really, uh, performance and script is what that movie is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's what you can say all movies are, but no, mm-hmm. not like this. Right. Uh, excellent. The Holdovers for Best Screenplay. Yep, yep. Uh, 2023. Okay, Tom Daly goes to you. Very, very good. Okay, all right. So let's move on to Best Music mm. and or Score for okay. 2023. All right. Uh, so all of the films, Again, I went. I went back and was kind of. It, it was tough for me to think of this, mm-hmm. honestly. So, mm-hmm. I think I had three mentions. Okay, and that's it. One was John Wick Four because the soundtrack <laughs> was killer. Yeah, it was killer. Uh, the soundtrack moves. It makes the action better. It makes yep. the movie quicker. Absolutely. Uh, every, it just is so enhanced. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even what was it? Justice that kicks on. Yeah, Justice. Uh, obviously, the John Wick theme is now La Castlevania. Right, right. Uh, just really great. Yeah, absolutely. So I have that. I have what I can only assume is Barbie as well. Oh, okay. The, the number pieces, the Ken, Ken song, correct? Uh, John, Again, sure, I'm a little bit yeah. in the dark a little bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on my list uh but i mean it's it's everywhere as far as um uh, I think it was Lizzo that did the main tr- uh, the main song, and then you have Billie Eilish as well. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, given the strong tie-ins, uh, to who it. just won the Globe, I think. Right? Yes, I but believe not so. Not that that matters, but because this matters. <laughs> uh, but I threw that on there, and then other yep. ones I can just think of, kind of also uh, killers because of Robbie Robertson, mm. and, and and I have Air dot 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 haha <laughs> because you hated the amount of, I hate you hated oh, the amount of tracks that they just threw into. It felt Air. like such a producer studio note. Just like this needs to be more snap. When he drives up, you know, and they just throw in an '80s song to it. Yeah, so, <laughs> You're so. not a fan. Yeah, not a fan. So I know I'm missing some. What were some of your honorable mentions? Uh, this is actually one that I have all different honorable mentions with this. Okay, uh, I would say a recent one was Richard Reed Perry for uh, Eileen. This soundtrack. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to it on its own. Really? It's it, it it may sound odd with such a dark and again almost Hitchcock like film. Yeah, for people who aren't aware, because Eileen came and went. Again, yeah, it was a it was a late entry, it was yep. like late November, early right. December. Yeah. Barely in theaters. Yep. Also cannibalized by Anatomy of the Fall because both are from Neon. So uh, uh, okay. I, I you know, even though Eileen was such a a uh, platform type of movie for Thomas and McKenzie. Yeah. Like that would be for like award season. Uh, it got totally pushed to the side. Okay. As far gotcha. As that gotcha. Goes. But that's what we're talking about. I didn't realize you loved it. Oh, yeah. That soundtrack so much. Uh, that, that, and, and Richard Reed Perry, he even did the soundtrack for Iron Claw, which I was in like hugely right you know right. into but there's there's something to it uh richard Reed perry uh, and as you mentioned on that episode that we covered eileen did the did the music for succession uh i feel like uh he really captured something truly 
truly noir jazz, like true to form, and uh, so dark and so twisted, and mm, it just just an amazing soundtrack. Okay, amazing wow, soundtrack. That's a nice little surprise. Though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big honorable mention, and and he did win the Golden Globe for this. Uh, Got to give it an honorable mention to Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer. Okay, Lug- yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. Even to a point of critique for Oppenheimer, that soundtrack is playing constantly. Uh, Loud, is, too. Right, in yeah. Classic uh, Nolan style. Yeah, for real. Uh, so, I mean, worthy of critique as far as the implementation into Nolan's storytelling. Uh, worthy of absolute praise, though, as far as an amazing, amazing soundtrack. Yeah, can I say, that's also why I paired, that's a great, I totally kind of, that, mm-hmm. that, that slipped my mind totally looking at the list here. But also why I had Oppenheimer or Oppenheimer for screenplay as well. Uh When you look at the screenplay and then that music coming in, Mm. he made a a historical biopic (laughs) World War II thing, but just like a science movie. Yeah, boring science. You know, borderline action thriller almost. Borderline sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for the next scene to envelop. A lot of that's helped out to just the solid screenplay. But that music... That loudness mm. keeps it going. Absolutely. And what, and what Nolan and what Ludwig was able to do with that. Yeah. Uh, excellent mention. Yeah, and Ludwig, don't forget that uh, he did all the music for Mandalorian, including the iconic theme. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the best Star Wars music to to kind of come out. So I was really ro- rooting for Ludwig, and he absolutely earns it on you know such a such a loud and such an in-your-face score, but one that never lets up, uh, and in a good way, never right. lets up. Um, gotta say, though, the winner for best music though is is a shared win uh we're gonna give it to hiromi uhara for blue giant oh. <laughs> uh, absolutely a, i mean the fact that That's, of course of right, course much like whiplash has actually good jazz in it blue giant shares that type of spotlight right that the music is equally as good and adds to the enjoyment of the film uh hiromi uhara um comes from a kind of a classical music space uh, so I don't know if jazz is necessarily her comfort zone, uh, but let me tell you, this soundtrack is worth equal praise to the uh, visual feast on on screen for what you see paired with the jazz, and so imaginative and so transformative for the uh, for the movie itself. Uh, really, I mean, I I think Blue Giant, like I said in the review, what's that again, makes sense? You know, that makes sense. So the, the the our Achilles heel on the podcast is that the writing is on <laughs> the wall with these. I think I said in the review, I said this is my soundtrack of the year. You know what I mean? Uh, and uh, and well deserved. I mean, just a, a phenomenal mix of jazz classics, but also new jazz i mean it's kind of it's kind of funny in in that it's said in like this this uh broken english but uh they have a track called ne uh, new uh and okay. it's just like so mm, so sharp and so exciting and and i feel like uh as far as jazz goes let's take the my comments of it being a gateway drug for anime yeah a gateway drug for jazz much like how whiplash would be or maybe even like a la la land um, I would say Blue Giant soundtrack is a gateway drug for jazz as wow, well. Wow, excellent. So Blue Giant, music done by? Uh, Hiromi Uhara. Excellent. Okay. And you get once again, the daily rating on that is an 82%. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on. This is next one is for best film editing. Mm. Um, and I think it's important to highlight some of this stuff. Yep. Editing, we might not always talk about as much as maybe cinematography or music. Sure. Um, but editing is super important. It does come up. A lot of times for bad. Sometimes mm. when a film is just bad, mm-hmm. it's when the editing is apparent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but some, some mentions here I have are uh, John Wick, Chapter 4. 
I have uh, the creator, Oppenheimer, Barbie, and Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm, yeah, uh, all, all very good notes. I would say my main honorable mention goes to Nick Hoy for Barbie. Um, I feel like the editing okay. plays so much into how the comedy is delivered. My mark is always going to be like an Edgar Wright, where the comedic timing is in the edit as well. Right, uh, right. And I feel like so much of it cutting back to Ken and it, it, it you know, bouncing back and forth between the two perspectives of, uh, of Barbie's world and then the real world, so much of that timing was found in the edit. Uh, so definitely uh, Nick Hoy, uh, H-O-U-Y, I think that's Hoy. Absolutely an honorable mention. Uh, without a doubt, my winner, though, this was a clear cut for me, actually. Okay, not on my um, list. Uh, no, no, on your list. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was only one movie that I would say the editing really achieved a storytelling in its own, and it is in the early moments of Oppenheimer. Uh, when mm. Killian Murphy is going through and learning the fundamentals of the new science, uh, new physics, uh, and so imaginative, and, and how the visuals on screen are not only displayed as far as the practical visual effects that Nolan has avoided CGI for, mm-hmm. But more so the visual language of trying to translate to film, translate to the audience, something that's impossible to maybe, uh, for any of us, our our minds to wrap around is what Oppenheimer was going through in discovering this new universe, if you will, of understanding. Um, Jennifer Lane gets the Tom Daly for best editing uh, for Oppenheimer. Um, Jennifer Lane's done plenty of stuff, but she really killed it. Excellent. Jennifer Lane. Okay, for Oppenheimer. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. I mean, when you watch the film and just, I don't know, the professionalism of mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. as weird as that is to say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, excellent. Excellent choice. Oppenheimer for best film editing. Yeah. And, uh, and once again, that goes back to my review in that the fact that this story was able to make science uh, compelling and uh, something so cerebral compelling. Watching those scenes in Oppenheimer was like watching like some Carl Sagan uh, stuff for the first time. It was just like, wow, it's it's making the layman, it's making myself, not a physicist, right. understand the gravity of this. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that's uh, very well said, Vin. Okay, let's move on to best cinematography. Mm. So again, I think there's you might even be able to put you know eight in these in this category. Yeah. <clears throat> I have three just main things that I mentioned sure. here, and I know you might have more. Whatever, you take it wherever you want. I have Oppenheimer, <laughs> and then I have Barbie and Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, I think okay. if anybody is going to get best cinematography, it goes to Rodrigo <laughs> Prieto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you have the same note? Because yeah. Rodrigo Prieto both did cinematography on Barbie and, and- <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> this dude had a hell of a year. Which is insane. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, people, killers for the taking you back to a certain mm. segment in time mm-hmm. in a specific place in a distant America. Yes. And then Barbie for being this punchy. One thing everyone says about Barbie is how fun and amazing yeah, it looks. How amazing the set piece was and the cinematography was. Yep. Uh, and that's all Rodrigo Prieto doing two totally different films. Yeah. Uh, those are my three mentions, though. Vin? Uh, I would say some honorable mentions. I think we got some We got some tough names here. <laughs> so paired with me <laughs> in full respect to these people. Kramer uh, Morgenthau for Creed Three. I feel like if there's anything to sell that action... Uh, there, there was something there that uh, really, we really was great, and Kramer was able to um, again switch up a tired and 
old type of uh, boxing film and, and breathe new life into it. I would say uh, another honorable mention, and, and we talked about it extensively in our last episode of how action was the secret ingredient to elevate a tired biopic structure i feel like that mm. is found in the cinematography of eric Ooh, i'm gonna try Just my go best here measure smith measure smith yeah for <laughs> ferrari uh eric i feel like uh, once again is a, a secret ingredient to filming racing scenes in a not necessarily new way, because if anything, it felt like Mad Max Fury Road on how realistic it was. Um, but uh, in a year where I watched a hell of a lot of racing films in one specific franchise, <laughs> uh, it was just such a breath of like, wow, you can you can film something differently. Yeah. Uh, there's not just one way to film a race car or one way to film speed. And not only that, with how Ferrari had a story to tell around racing in 1957 and how dangerous that was i feel like the cinematography was a perfect match for that excellent so, excellent two honorable mentions but you hit the nail on the head tom uh <laughs> the winner for best cinematography goes to rodrigo pietro for barbie okay. and killers of the flower oh, well, <laughs> if, I, if you had to pick one I, I think it goes to barbie actually yeah, okay all right uh, because there are it, it's found in the transition scenes of barbie uh it's found in the fun conceptual almost almost play-like scenes where there are static moving objects and 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 it's and it just feels like a playhouse. I mean it's dripping. I mean it's yeah. oozing in just style. Right. right? Yeah. And, and I feel and, and don't get me wrong, I feel like someone can look at Barbie and say between the set design and even some of the cinematography, oh this looks cheap. No, it's it's purposeful. Yeah, it's purposeful. And and has such fun with the premise too. Uh so absolutely. Rodrigo, you get it. Like props. Uh, <laughs> hell of a year. Yeah. <laughs> hell Killers of a year. and and Barbie. I mean, yeah. unbelievable. Absolutely. But he gets it. Rodrigo Prieto for Barbie gets it. Excellent. Okay, Vin. So those are kind of, we're going to start getting into the big, big awards Big now. ones. Here is where I have stationed the Keep an Eye Out Award. <laughs> oh, okay. I love it. Okay. So do you, you have one for this, right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure out what to name it. So uh, the, mm. what the, to name the award. Right. Uh, this one, I think, should be a lasting annual award though right and it goes into these right here yes because i think it's very important and for all of the films we get i mean we covered 89 we probably could have covered 105 if we wanted to this sure, year as far sure. as new films go yeah. but honestly i think uh, that's actually a really good estimate yeah. <laughs> of like how many more that were left on the table and as far yeah for or how many matter. little i mean yeah. like two, 250 is what the academy is uh, saying that is could be awarded the best film Oh, wow. Or Best Picture. Interesting. Right. But as far as films people can actually see, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 105, yeah. and that's sure. pushing it. Sure. Regardless, the Keep an Eye Out Award mm -hmm. is for kind of someone new on the scene. Mm. This could be in any department, in any way, mm -hmm. but someone who's a little bit younger and hasn't done a whole lot. Mm, sure. Uh, but someone who impressed us this year and makes us say, ooh, we got to keep we an got, eye out yeah. uh, for this person. They're going to do something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I have a. I actually have four mentions. Wow. Okay. Which I had one. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is a shoe win. <laughs> then I came, then I kept on thinking about it. I came up with four, a little bit more close than I thought. Yeah. So I'll just run through it, and okay. we kind of just we'll go from here. I, I'll start with it. Technically three, but I'll mention the fourth. <laughs> uh, this was Kyle Edward Ball. Okay. For director of Skinnamarink. Oh, wow. Now, Skinnamarink was a 2022 release, yep. but that was for very 
selected theaters. Mm-hmm. I believe the actual wide release or the large release, once when IFC was able to get it in some films or mm. some theaters, mm-hmm. it was 2023. Kyle Edward Ball directed Skinner Rink. Yep. Skinner Rink, you didn't love. You love the idea behind it. Right. You love Good it. concept, but. <laughs> Crazy low budget. I think <laughs> yeah, it was like $15,000 yeah. or yeah. something. Uh, I. I think, the, unfortunately, the guy, though, in execution, we gave that below the uh, below. The I think 50s. it was forty five or yeah, something like that. Yeah, but we were yeah. talking almost positively about the film. Sure, right. Uh, but the cool thing is, is this guy. It was a low budget. He ended up getting it into a film festival. It got picked up by IFC, which mm-hmm. ended up being able to be put into a decent number of theaters, which mm-hmm. is super impressive. Kyle Edward Ball was a YouTube guy, and he would make scary videos mm, yep. first on his nightmares he used to have, mm. and then fans of his would write in what their nightmares are. Wow! And if he he would go through them, select them, and then make videos based on that. That's awesome! Until wow. until he raised enough money on his own to go make this film. Mm-hmm. So I just don't think we've seen the end of him. And something tells me. He'll be indie for sure and low budget. Sure. I think he's going to get some love in the next three, four, five years. Yeah, excited and for that follow-up of uh, exactly. maybe a little bit more money and uh, a little bit more time in the oven as far as um, working a concept that had a little bit more depth than um, the Skin Marink. Exactly. So. Uh, so Kyle Edward Ball for Skin Marink. Sure. Maybe keep an eye out. That's great. Uh, next one I have, we mentioned her name already, is Celine Song, mm. writer and director debut. She yes. debuted with Past Lives, yep. which is getting a lot of love. Uh, we really liked it on the, you know, you watched it because you knew it was getting some praise. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You liked it as well. Yeah. And uh, and you gave her the... Uh, an honorable mention as far as the uh, screenwriter. That's right. Yes, yep. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have Sof- uh, Sophie Wilde listed, who is the leading actress playing Mia in Talk to Me. Uh, oh, one of the things that really yeah. worked for you was Mia in Talk to Me. Yeah. She kind of made the film. You said the way she can contort her body, the way she looks on yeah. screen and present herself. She had this unhinged vibe. Right. Yeah, she absolutely. sold it. Yeah. She sold the character in the kind of this smaller indie project. Um, but actually, I'm going to pass this to you, Vin, because something tells me we have the same person, the same person. on the Keep an Eye Out Award. Well, uh, you know what? I got to say, uh, well, you hit the nail on the head as far as uh, a mention to Celine Song for Past Lives. Such a... Uh, uh, such a a personal type of film yeah. that I really do wonder what the follow-up will be uh, and if it's going to be anywhere as strong. Um, okay, sure. Uh, because I, I don't know how you follow that up uh, with such a with such a personal endeavor and such a such a story that that tells a culture and tries to put the audience in a position that they may not have experienced anything like right. that. Right. That's a great point. Can she yeah. invoke that exactly? Again? And I think that's why it's an honorable mention for me because I yeah. really don't know. You know, I, I got to say, as far as up-and-coming talent, this Jonathan Majors really looks promising. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, I can't wait to yeah. see what's next. <laughs> uh, but I think we're on the same page. A uh, bunch I, of bounce checks. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think we're on the same page. Acting talent is what gets my eye here, and it is Dominic Sessa playing a role in The Holdovers. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, this kid killed it uh, emotionally. Has, has a, a, a unique look, almost like an Adam Driver style, where yes. his bone features are just like, I don't know if he's like traditionally handsome, but like he's interesting on I'm a little I'm a little worried of the roles that he can get. Like, oh. was this the only role for him? <laughs> that was what's scaring me. Yeah, Dominic yeah. said playing Angus Tully. Yes. Yeah, in The Holdovers. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. Uh, Giamatti just won the Golden Globe for mm-hmm. Best Actor. Mm-hmm. I think I think Dominic Sessa belongs to be in that Best Actor talk just along with him. The shared screen time 
mm. uh, is almost identical. Yeah. And as much as you could say it's a Paul Giamatti story, mm-hmm. uh, this kid is also story very heavily on him, mm-hmm. very much. And at yeah. times, especially in Act Two, all mm-hmm. about him. Really. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So Dominic says, uh, leading actor playing Angus Tully in The Holdovers, the Keep an Eye Out Award. Yes. And I think all these are good honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. All quite different. Right. Uh, Kyle Edward Ball, Sophie Wilde, Celine Song, Dominic Sessa. What do you think of those mentions? I, I, I love that mention. Okay, all right. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, kind of jokes aside, I am curious to see what happens with Jonathan Majors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that because it looked real promising earlier this year. Yes, it did. Uh, so that is keep an eye out. Award Dominic says. Uh, I love this award. I think the Baftas do something close to okay. this. The Oscars don't. The Globes mm. don't. And I think that's a shame. Yeah, I maybe think like a young, young talent, talent. Yeah, right. A young talent you know. award, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's important. You want something that you and I had been bitching about. It's just where is the young talent? Yes, where absolutely. is the actors coming up or right. actresses? Uh, and here we have a, have a couple mentions. Yeah. So. And uh, now let's now the big boys. Yes, now the big boys. I have act- <laughs> supporting actor first okay. over actress. You want to do that? Uh, yes. Or do you, wanna, uh, you tell me. I- I'm hoping you can fill some gaps as far as best supporting because I feel like it's a it's a boys club uh, for my my uh, yeah. my nominees and, and winners for this, with this. Okay, so for the supporting this supporting actor and actress was some of my favorite awards to kind of get together. Mm, actually, mm-hmm. the ones I was most looking forward to mm-hmm. and putting together were actually support. Supporting, yep. not the main actor and actress. Yep. So we'll start with actor. Okay. Okay. Is that it? or no? Uh, that... I I don't have them separated, but, okay. uh, but I can I can go on the fly. I can go. <laughs> okay. So I have a lot listed here. Okay. But I have about five listed that I know aren't going to win. Mm. Uh, but I I do want to mention mm-hmm. and something again, maybe something that, that I could catch one of your blind spots or sure, that sure. I wanted to highlight again. Yeah. Uh, Two hundred and forty six films. It might be good to highlight some. <laughs> Uh, first on the list, I have Jonathan Majors playing Damien Anderson in Creed Three. <laughs> he was so good, and that's why he the was reason so why is. Good. And the funny thing was, the real reason why I have this on here. Uh, one, it, we could have easily taken him off for all the stuff going <laughs> right, on. Right, right, right. Uh, but one, I didn't want to forget about Creed Three. Yeah. Uh, you brought it up twice already. Yeah, right. So right. I'm glad we did say something yeah. about it. But I also wanted to bring this up because the stark difference, how the character Jonathan Major is playing in Creed mm. Three, is what you sh- said should have been playing Kang. Yes, the Conqueror in right. Ant Man Three, a manipulator, a uh, a uh, Cape Fear like character. Right. You, you loved know? him as a protagonist yeah, in uh, Creed, right? And then just what they were doing with Kang, anyway. Yeah, no, but that's okay. He's he's kind of off the map <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Wasn't that get me a little bit busy <laughs> uh, doing other stuff? Other supporting <laughs> actors that I just wanted to mention probably won't okay. win. I have Jamie Fox playing Slick Charles oh. in They Clone Tyrone. Excellent, <laughs> thanks. Excellent, thank you. I have. <laughs> let's not forget Chris Tucker playing. Howard White in air. <laughs> Which apparently was very close to the real guy. Okay, yeah, all right. That's amazing. Um, I have Donnie Yen playing Kane mm. in John Wick 4. That's awesome. Uh, he was a great protagonist slash good friend yep. to John Wick. He was playing a blind guy the, uh, the, entire, time. the entire time. So just props. He uses door ringers as his, as <laughs> At his, one point, his echolocation. Yeah. That's great. Uh, as a quick other mention that I have for fun is Nathan Lang playing Roger in Bo is Afraid, <laughs> who you were a big fan of, actually. actually as really you good. said. 
You get the tri-tip. Yeah. <laughs> you get the tri-tip. He played some good comedic relief in such a weird film. Oh, man. I, I think I think I have uh, PTSD with those, those <laughs> afraid, So. <laughs> and now here's some uh, big heavy hitters that I think any of these could p- potentially be winners. Sure. And depending on the person. Yeah. Best Supporting Actor, Jeremy Iron White, playing Carrie in The Iron Claw. Mm. T.O. Wu as Hey Sung in Past Lives. Okay. Mark Ruffalo as Duncan Wedderburn in Poor Things. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe playing Dr. Goodwin Baxter in Poor Things. Oof. Ryan Gosling playing Ken in Barbie. Mm-hmm. And then we have Robert De Niro playing William Hale in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. And Robert Downey Jr. playing Louis Strauss in Oppenheimer. Mm, yes, yes. I mean, a phenomenal list. And if yeah. anything, illustrative of how truly strong of a year this uh, this year yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, you compare this to... The crumbs, the pickings <laughs> at the end of the barrel that we had for 2022. I don't even know what I get best supporting for. I don't, we'll I don't think we had it. I don't think we had it. Uh, <laughs> we might not, I don't think we had supporting. I don't think we had supporting. So, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and if anything, all of these nods worth a watch. You know, I mean, oh, because yeah. of these supporting. Actors. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anything I was missing? Any other honorable mentions? Uh, and, uh, I, I don't think so. I think the ones I want to focus in on Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Yeah. Let me. Know not uh, like really let me let me stress how much of the comedy works because of Ryan Gosling I mean like he holds a lot on his back I want to introduce just another phrase that I wanted to work into the award ceremony we have what we say are the runner-ups mm-hmm. or the the uh, honorable, honorable mentions, mentions yep. which is good. Mm-hmm. I think ones that really stick out, ones that easily could win on any other year, mm-hmm. ones we don't want people to forget, just a, a daily ne- recognition. Sure. So Ryan Gosling, I would say, gets a daily recognition. <sighs> yeah, right, because comedic-wise, I mean – Man, he's just so he's he's genuinely funny, and I feel like it's just such an uphill battle for him because even myself, I saw him being cast as Ken. I was like, the dude's too old. He looks so. Oh, I liked. Old. I always liked him. Right. Well, it's it's also the the bleach blonde hair. Like it looks. <laughs> I mean, it's not the most flattering type of thing, uh, but boy, did he just kill it! I mean, arguably the best part of Barbie. Wow. Uh, and uh, not that you didn't like Margot either. Right. Right. But uh, let me tell you, I mean, he really he really killed it. I would. Would say the strong contender for me here was uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. It was what I've been wanting out of both Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Uh, the cord has been cut from Marvel. Yeah. They are finally free. Where Chris Evans, it has only been disappointment and him falling back into <laughs> Absolutely. old habits yeah. of, of being a douchebag actor. It is it really... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Has, has... I mean, I guess you can't say things like... Uh, like Doolittle and like Sh- and Chitty did right after <laughs> were great. This felt like wow. Yes, he's he's now using this momentum and this popularity yeah. to surge forward into projects that we can be really excited about. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, I also feel like that character of Strauss was so divisive and so key to the actual drama going on in the film. I mean, there's a lot of drama points in Oppenheimer, right? But right. When you really get down to it, it is kind of about the. Uh, the the manipulation that is happening behind scenes and legality that is happening behind scenes and yeah. personal revenge and, and pettiness to it. So I thought that was great. Uh, I got to say my winner, I'm showing a little bit of bias here. Uh, my winner for best male supporting has to go to Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower. Wow. <laughs> wow. I know we're going to be a little <laughs> bit on opposite sides here. That's, uh, that's totally fine. I, I mean, I have, I have grown, uh, no, I haven't grown on my feelings on it. Uh, I I've 
thought about it more and can, sure. and can see how you get there. Right, Let's right. say that. Yes. I've listened to that review a couple times over <laughs> okay. and more. Okay. And let, let me I, say as well, I can see 100% what you're saying because I, I feel like in recent months – Robert De Niro has all the more been kind of referred to as oh he's he's just one of those actors right, which is right. not it's De Niro not, to me but it, that's you know it, and for those of you wondering if you go back and listen to our Killers <laughs> it is the well one it was it, Vin loved it for the year yeah it was the longest review I think we ever done it was mm. about a half an hour long right it was a lot of discussion we, we spent about twelve minutes on Robert De Niro <laughs> alone <laughs> so if you're curious of what this is coming out of this, that really that, was that one episode. of my favorite reviews of the year I feel like we struck such a balance of. Um, Discussion, but also really getting down to the critical aspects. Yeah, of it, it. it was Marty. We were passionate. Yeah. It was a big film coming out. I had some issues with Robert De Niro, where so, at some points I felt like maybe kind of phoning it in, mm. even though I I didn't want to say that. Sure, kind sure. of at the time. Looking back at it more, mm-hmm. you know, just being around two thousands, two thousand tens, Robert De Niro so mm-hmm. much. It's mm-hmm. no, no, no. I feel like he was grabbing into the nineties De Niro a little mm. bit. He was going back and really trying. I could see that there was effort put into this. Yeah. Yep. So supporting actor, not to mention amount of screen time he has. Mm. Uh, it is as supporting as you can get until your lead. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So excellent. Wow. Okay. So another uh, great okay. example of the supporting actor. Having such of the uh, such sway over how things are are going in the story as well, right, right, uh, and uh, I, I just I just really loved them. I feel like it it just captured such a degree of what I want in um, some of the best De Niro performances. Was it maybe up there with the best De Niro performances? I don't know. No, I I think no. Right. I th- I think no. But some of his best his best performing. Was when he was the lead, though. Mm, too. It's very true. I mean, because can you say he was the lead in Cape Fear? Uh, I guess. Well, tough, tough how Who you plays see the dad? Will, William Hurt? Uh, no, that's, uh, I think it's Nick Nolte. Oh, uh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And and honestly, De Niro is kind of a supporting actor. You look at Goodfellas, you look at, you know, other kind of antagonists. Oh, that's a good roles. point, too. So yeah. I feel like, I don't know. At least for me, though, I think that's where I, I sit with this kind of best actor or best supporting actor nomination. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate that at all. I very yeah. much respect that. So Robert De Niro. Uh, Bobby. Who, who knows how many other Tom Daly's he's going to get. Yeah, that's very true. Because, again, nothing else matters. Right. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best supporting actor uh, goes to Robert De Niro's for Killer of the Flower Moon, playing William Hale, I believe. Mm-hmm. Correct? Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's go to supporting actress yep. now. And like I said, I was excited to kind of get these on page a little bit and think about these. I was mm. having a good time. Uh, I really like these two categories. I think we had such good supporting yep. roles here. Yep. So I'll just go through it once again. Sure, uh, sure. I have Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, which okay. I know you and I might have a little bit disagreement <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, we don't. <laughs> I have Julianne Moore playing Gracie in May, December. Okay. Vanessa Kirby as Josephine Bonaparte in Napoleon. Mm, okay. Lily Gladstone for Molly Burkhart in Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm-hmm. Divine Joy Randolph playing Molly Lamb in The Holdovers. Mm. Anne Hathaway playing a brief role, but a very good role as Rebecca in Eileen. Yes. And finally, I have Scarlett Johansson for playing Midge Campbell in Asteroid City. Oh, yeah. That's totally right. She was yeah. on screen a lot. She had to play kind of different little bit roles emotionally. Mm. The mm-hmm. actress that she was playing... I thought it was just ScarJo on screen yeah. killing it. Yeah. And again, wanted to give it, I understand it might not win. Really wanted to give that a mention because, you know, for a Wes Anderson film, it didn't hit mm. as, as hard as maybe we've seen him mm. do before. Mm-hmm. Still a very interesting, unique 
film. Right. Uh, and the actor's doing a great job and actresses. So I just wanted to give a nod to ScarJo uh, for Asteroid City. Uh, but those are my kind of mentions, Vin. Did I miss mm-hmm. any? Some fell through the uh, holes? No, or? no. I think you hit uh, across the board. Well, I guess uh, the, the arms race for me is between Carrie versus Penelope Cruz. And I think Penelope Cruz is, is missing a little bit there. Okay. Um, you could, you know what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think put, as far as best supporting goes. And uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't put her in, actually. Yeah. I, Again, I, I critiqued most of these after last <laughs> week and I forgot to take, I forgot to put her in here. <laughs> I, I guess I wonder, I don't know, if, if we really see Carrie mulligan as as supporting i i I wonder who gets best lead actress then because i feel like uh oh i have a few mentions yeah oh i've got one two three four five i have seven you're right in the in the potential lead actress well as far as best supporting goes uh, i feel like there was really only one role that the casting spoke to the scope of the film, and that is Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, okay, um, excellent. I feel like it, it really, it really all hits towards the end of that film when Martin Scorsese actually has a a role. Yeah. Uh, in kind of, um, yeah, folks, if you haven't seen the film, no fault of it. It's 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 a doozy. <laughs> uh, there's a moment that Martin Scorsese comes on screen and is speaking about. Uh, the facts of what we've been seeing on screen in a more sobering and cold note. And I feel like it's a, it's a really amazing scene, but the way that that scene hits so hard is through the humanity and through our personal connection to Lily Gladstone's character mm. in this. Um, Beautiful, yep. yeah. And I, I, I think best supporting, uh, I mean, uh, she, Lily Gladstone could very well go into um, uh, exciting around the corner or best up and coming. I'm forgetting the <laughs> Sighting around the corner. Okay. Woo, boy. The drinks are set in. <laughs> yeah. Exciting around the corner. Um, it's, like a, it's like a foreigner. It's like a, it's a broken English. Um, yes. She could go in and keep an eye out. I, I just, for some reason in my head, I attribute to her that she's been acting for a bit. Or right. For like the past 10 years or right. so. Um, so that's why I didn't put her in there. And she, I think she won for lead actress in a mm. drama series on the Globes. Oh, uh, really? This past whatever Sunday. Interesting. Which I don't agree with. I don't think she's got enough going on on screen. Yeah, I, screen especially time. the medical aspect. I mean, she's 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 out. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, but from the get go, when you're watching this film yeah. coming out of it, us on the review, Lily Gladstone absolutely crushes this. Right. And I think we'll be getting a lot of phone calls absolutely. after this, and, and rightfully so. And well deserved, absolutely. And so. I, yeah, exactly. And I hope she's not pigeonholed. I don't think she. I think things are changing enough where I don't think she would be pigeonholed to just getting calls about we need Native American. Mm, X, sure, you know, Native sure. American this. Right. Um, she was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and she seems like a very cool person as mm-hmm. well. So Lily Gladstone playing Molly Burkhart in Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Uh, excellent thing. Well, and, and so great pairing that with, with Scorsese's thing at the end, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's true. You do feel the weight of it because we know the character through her. Right. Yeah. Right. What a great last scene, too. Mm. I took that as, you know, fading to black. You know, mm-hmm. movie ends, fades to black, and then we get the catch-up stuff on screen. Oh, sure. You know, the the, the, the text. three lines of the white text. And right. instead, Scorsese said did something completely different. Exactly. And was beautiful. Yeah. If people could get to the end. <laughs> right. uh, do we want to go into best actor and actress? Uh, yeah, I think okay. that's up next. All right. So uh, we'll go actor again since we did uh, supporting actor first. So here, I don't have many on the list here. And maybe you can kind of assume mm, these. I okay. have Killian Murphy playing J. Robert Oppenheimer in Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, 
uh, Adam Driver as Enzo Ferrari in Ferrari, Bradley Cooper playing Leonard Bernstein in Maestro, Dominic Sessa playing Angus Tolley mm, in The Holdovers, yeah, yeah. and Paul Giamatti as Paul Hunman in mm. The Holdovers. Sure. And then I have here question mark, Leo question mark for Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> right. Um, but it, <laughs> those are my kind of mentions, my go-to thinking when I think of best actor for 2023. Sure. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give Leo this much. It wasn't a annoying performance uh, in the way that I get annoyed with Leo of just being yelly, shouty, you right. know. You only have one scene on this one. Voice cracking, you know. Right. <laughs> it's his classic go-to. I would say my honorable mentions are split 50-50 with Bradley Cooper and Adam Driver. Uh, I, I think, don't get me wrong, I mean, I you know, you know, I, I, I love the holdovers. Yeah. I feel like those performances, they were in the script. I, I don't know. There, there, there was something there that was in more concept than... Than actual performance, I don't know. I, wow, I, that surprises me. Yeah, what, what I hear, yeah, I, I think it, it's that movie is solely fifty mm. percent uh, script, fifty percent actor. Mm. Sure, it. sure. I understand the script was amazing, right, right. Uh, but it's basically that if you don't have one, the, the movie falls apart. Mm. Um, what I true. what I would say is maybe where you can't put them as best actor is again, it is so shared. Yeah, it is so shared. The reason why I can put Paul Giamatti at first, I thought Dominic Cesa was. Like for the first two months, uh, sure. I thought Dominic went first month and a half. First, Dominic says it was the supporting. Yeah, and then I thought the opening scene starts with Paul Giamatti and mm. ends with Giamatti. Mm. Uh, the opening and closing shots. Yeah, but the middle section of that film is so Dominic says it's heavy mm-hmm. and on his story that. Uh, it's so shared. Yeah, it's almost hard to split apart and pick one from the other. It is and true. One doesn't truly shine over the other. Right, right. Um, Especially in the scenes where they are finally bonding and whatnot, sure, and, and, and getting a little bit emotionally deeper. So, I think when it comes down to it, Bradley Cooper for Maestro and Adam Driver for Ferrari are two sides of the same coin. I think they're both really good acting. Adam Driver kind of is an honorable mention for me because I just love Adam Driver so much. Yeah. And I like this character that he's playing with Enzo. Uh, On the other side of the coin, though, I'm not as big of a fan of Cooper. Not like to the point that I don't like him or anything like that. But We love him. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's our Philly boy. He's He's a good representative. Right. We gotta represent. (laughs) Uh, But when it comes down to it, I I mentioned it briefly in the review – do I think the nasaliness of his performance yeah. is, is is it is it brilliant? I I don't know. I think the physical, the prosthetic, the uh, the uh, uh, the memorization, the method acting aspect of it that's where the praise belongs. But uh, I think those are the the kind of the two sides of the same coin. Uh, the winner, though, I, I think this was really clear cut for me because out of all of these, <laughs> I mean. Talk about the guy looking like the guy. It's Killian Murphy yeah. <laughs> for Oppenheimer. I mean, he he is uh, he em- embraced this persona of, of how punished Oppenheimer's really was in real life. This persona of how he goes from tortured by his uh, his existence and and making the bomb into kind of a confidence and a role of this uh, not doctor of death but this dealer of death uh, that he takes yeah, on later yeah. in his life. I think Oppenheimer also gives enough breath where Maestro and Ferrari 
frankly didn't. It just give, it's just constant. Yeah, you just yeah, punching in the face. Uh, it, it gives it gives enough of a of a runway for us to see development in the character. Yes, Maestro handles many many years over Lenny Bernstein's life, but uh, there's the argument for how it's split with Carrie Mulligan. Sure, yeah. Uh, where with Oppenheimer, we get the same runway of seeing him develop as a person and seeing Killian Murphy's acting develop as a person as well. Yeah. So. His dedication to the role as well. I think it's as close as you can get before your method acting. Mm. Uh, even, I mean, just the reports coming out were just like, you know, after, after filming would wrap and the day would finish, mm-hmm. all the actors would always go out to dinner together. Okay. And Killian never did. Uh, he was just so enveloped in the role and wow. just, he felt like he had so much weight on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. He could never relax. He couldn't wow. just converse with these people. Sure. Uh, the role was just overwhelmingly important yeah. and just massive laying on him. Right. Uh, so it, 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 it was such a big task to take this on, mm-hmm. and the way he did it uh, was phenomenal. Yeah, uh, truly phenomenal. Uh, absolute professional mm. is what he's turning into. Yeah, you know, absolutely, uh, just a total, absolutely. just a grade actor. Yeah, uh, Killian Murphy for J. Robert Oppenheimer and Killers. I'm sorry, in Oppenheimer. <laughs> uh, okay, and talk about looking like the guy. You <laughs> know what I mean? The gauntness, wow. yeah, yeah, he's a skeleton. Uh, okay, so let's go to best actress. So I have some more. On here, like I said, I think I have seven for best actress. I'll again, yeah, I'll just name them off. Yeah, here yeah, yeah. What you think? So I have Sophie Wilde as Mia in mm-hmm. Talk to Me. Okay. I have Greta Lee as Nora in Past Lives. Okay. Margot Robbie playing Barbie in Barbie. Mm. Emma Stone as Bella Baxter in Poor Things. Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla Presley in Priscilla. Oh. Okay. Uh, just because it, it's on her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, that Thomasin McKenzie for Eileen. Uh, for Eileen Dunlop in mm-hmm. Eileen, mm-hmm. and finally Natalie Portman for playing Elizabeth in May December. Mm. Any that I forgot or uh, add, or who won? I-, I would say the only ones that I want to cut are, uh, and you said this for for um, best supporting as well, are is the nod for May December uh, for Natalie Portman. Right. And, um, uh, you, you were not hot on the film. Yeah. Uh, you liked the guy maybe the most. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I thought maybe their performances, even though not liking the film or content, mm. whatever, uh, performances might have driven home. Right, right. And, and, and I mean, is there much worth in me saying, oh, actually they don't get an honorable mention? No. I, you know, I mean, they, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's petty. Uh, but, at the same time, I feel like there are so many smaller roles. Uh, perfect example uh, for Talk to Me. Uh, Sophie Wilde. Sophie Wilde. Yeah. I mean, that that is a classic example of something deeply getting overlooked just because it's in a horror package. Yeah. Yet, and a small film. I mean, right. Stores, yeah. Yet May December as a artsy, pedophilic, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, <laughs> you know, antagonistic movie, that gets the praise. Uh, I, I feel like there are other aspects there that I, I think there are there – are, more worthy of the honorable mention there. I think the honorable mention for me is Thomas and McKenzie uh, for Eileen. I, I know I'm going to be in the dark on this one. I-, I think I'm fully comfortable calling Eileen my crimes of the future of last year. You know, <laughs> I- I'm the only one holding the torch for crimes of the future. I, I haven't think heard I'm pro- anybody utter it. <laughs> Well, that that blue giant, but yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm, I guess I'm holding the torch for for Eileen as well. Um, but I think Thomas and Mackenzie, I think it it earns it because one, the film is like a serious like acting platform for her in uh-huh. in a way that could be a critique as an Oscar baby type of film. Really enjoyable and such a a exciting new role for her for her normal 
small little right. girl mousy ways uh, again this this Hitchcock uh, wannabe that the film was was just so great so great I, the thing is here my <laughs> my oh, oh. pick I think you're gonna disagree with fundamentally so <laughs> I I think I'm gonna move one of my honorable mentions into the win I don't know how do you want to do this here well, I want to know what you this is where the Tom Daly comes in <laughs> You know, you get the final call. Oh, I, guess. I get the final. Well, call. you're already cutting my. You know, you're already cutting my mention. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I. What do you honestly feel is the best? I know? think it's Carrie Mulligan. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's not uh, Carrie Mulligan, I, I. I mean, let's decide this right here. We really need to. I, I honestly, I don't know. You said, <sighs> are you positive that IMBD and or Wikipedia put her as the lead? The main? Uh, yes, top billing. Top, and I know. I, and I, the I, reason why I even brought it up because I was, I was almost mind boggled about it. You know what I mean? And that that even played into some of my praise for Cooper. You know, this not being a puff piece, this not being his own I mean, acting listen, platform. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> listen, if it's I, not. He, I, I I think it goes probably to Sandra Huller I, for I, uh, for Anatomy of the Fall. Oh uh, shit! I forgot to put her on too. From last week. <laughs> I did correct stuff from last week, but I guess it's not, it's not coming across like that. Uh, by the way, honorable mention. Yeah, San, Sandra, Sandra Huller, Huller yeah. for Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah, uh, talk about just a ton of dialogue she mm-hmm. didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, now the thing with her is, I was thinking about her role. She's great in the role that she has to do. Mm-hmm. I think we brought this up in the review. Mm-hmm. But the problem with Sandra Huller's character is. She, she is pigeonholed by the fact of she is in a constant state mm-hmm. of this feeling. Yeah. You know, she is playing a woman that is dealing with this stuff going yeah. on. Now, and we're I, supposed to look at a little crooked as well. Right. So. Um, so she just isn't given the leash to have a lot of range. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing because she's really is just like it's going through this one moment in her life mm. dealing with a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sandra Moeller, abs- or Holler, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, she, in fact, top of the list, like yep. close to best actress. Absolutely. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. I, it's I, tough. I, 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 I agree. Was, I agree. It, it, it feels wrong to call her lead. I, I hate to bring it up for probably the fourth or fifth time. <laughs> Because okay. I know and don't care personally about the Golden Globes. Okay. But if, <laughs> if Lily Gladstone can win Best Actress, mm. not supporting, Best Actress. Straight up actress. I think then we have to give it to Carrie Mulligan. Mm. Gets Best Actress yep. uh, for her playing uh, – whoops. Oh, uh I know, I couldn't remember. Okay, okay. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan in Maestro. In Maestro. <laughs> uh, I, I really think it's well deserved. In, and I uh, love her performance. Absolutely. I don't know if people listen to that or not, but if you if, if you want to go back, mm-hmm. I, I thought her performance was one of the best female performances of the year. Yeah. The problem yeah. was I put her in supporting. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. For the understanding of it. And, and I, I totally agree. I mean, uh, it, it feels a little bit odd to call it lead, but um, either way, I mean, I think... If if supporting and lead are aside, uh, and we're just talking about acting performances, period for actress. Yeah, uh, I feel like Mulligan really does take it then. Uh, and this was me even coming into uh, being a little bit uh, not annoyed, but uh, not expecting a lot from Mulligan. We covered she said uh, on the podcast, mm-hmm. which yeah. was very lackluster. Way back when, for Emerald Fennel, we covered Promising Young Woman, which, uh, I mean, I had a lot of issues with that film. Uh, Mulligan was was all right, I guess, in that. So uh, when it comes to the, I mean, I feel like she was able to win me over in a way that was already a little bit of an uphill battle for okay, me. And I okay. feel like that's where, for me, looking back at all these movies and really trying to digest, like, 
how did I really feel about all this? Right. I think Mulligan, that's why she, where she stands Okay. And, and you know what? I will support you in that. Okay. I will support you in the decision, uh, especially, be- I will say, Maestro even takes a point towards the end of the film. Mm. It almost becomes a Carrie Mulligan story. Yeah. Or her character story. Right, that right, right. We're poor at pronouncing. Um, okay. Carrie Mulligan for Best Actress in Maestro. Excellent, Vince. So let's keep things going. We're getting down to the end here. Uh, let's go into Best Director. Ooh. So, best director, I feel like some of these are just going to be obvious. Yeah. I'll just run through these real quick. Sure. You take it where you want. Sure. Uh, best director, some mentions at least. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Mm-hmm. Michael Mann for Ferrari. And Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Okay. Mm. Thoughts? I have one additional. Good, good. Uh, and <laughs> I was actually... Really tempted to give this the win, but it's almost outlandish in comparison to some of the other movies. <laughs> I want to give a lot of props to Chad Stileski for John Wick 4. Oh! Um, uh, we've talked about it on that episode. That's a great episode, folks. If you haven't listened to it, also uh, if you haven't, you know, if you don't know what all the hype around John Wick is about, that's a great episode to kind of dive into. Yep. Chad Stileski is a talent that starts in action choreography so him being matched and going into action directing i feel like is the type of talent i look for um i i you know probably repeat myself so much with uh, edgar wright being an editor uh and then taking that editing talent right and, right. and, and you know having his films really embodying the tricks of the trade when it comes to Chad Stileski, I feel like he deserves an honorable mention in some way because not only is John Wick 4 great, John Wick 4 it, has some of the best action of the series as well. Yeah. And you can just tell that. Some of the best action a, of all time yeah, in film. Absolutely. Great yes. mention. Yeah. Great mention. I, I would say Bradley Cooper Maestro is my second honorable mention. Triple um, Threat. Yeah, Triple Threat. It is not a puff piece, it avoids what. All of my cynicism told me it was going to be. Mm. <laughs> like, I really thought this was going to be like a bloated mess and like <laughs> it's all about him acting and with this prosthetic nose. And uh, no, uh, he really did a wonderful job. And um, if anything, a, a light note going back to that review that I maybe want to emphasize is I feel like there is value in that movie, even though we commented a lot on saying that it didn't solve its job didn't didn't do its main job as right, letting us yeah. know Lenny Bernstein it is telling the hidden story of Lenny Bernstein and I feel mm-hmm. like that is uh, something that I can get excited behind knowing that's the scope and I feel like that's where Bradley's inspiration was as well okay so, all right uh, winner I gotta give it to Marty I gotta Whoa. give it to Marty. <laughs> wow! Best winner for wow, best director. Wow. Best winner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> winner for best director. Martin Scorsese for Cl- Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, you gotta I, talk. I, yeah, you gotta talk about the separation here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I want to give it to Nolan in the sense that him and his brother, his brother is a is a writer, um, yeah. really wanted to do Oppenheimer's story for a long time. And going back to the review, I said very clearly. I mean, I think he does the impossible by just. He tackles the whole story. Yeah. He doesn't take on one year. He doesn't take on, you know what I mean? He, t- he wants it all. Yep. Uh, almost to the film's detriment in some ways. But Martin Scorsese was able to give us a view into yet another American crime drama. Killers of the Flower Moon is not as good as Goodfellas. Does it basically accomplish what Goodfellas did? 
I think so. I think it gives us a peek into something that is fresh eyes for us, yeah, which yeah. is this um, semi-Old West, but not really, uh, and, and this view on these Native American people that uh, was able to open our eyes and in such a Marty way make us interested through the crime of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I can't disagree because Killers was such a huge movie and a mm. good movie. We both loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I only gave it two shoes. Mm. Polished, at least. <laughs> it did have a polish on there. I, I might think more fondly looking back on it. Sure. But I, I love it. I, I'm very pro that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think when it comes down to me wanting to give it to Marty over Christopher Nolan, which yeah, is realistic. Yeah, that's the big, that's the yeah. big story, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, the, uh, uh, that's the title match here. Um, I feel like uh, Marty was able to break from his own conventions, uh, in a good way, I'll give you an example. Uh, Goodfellas to Casino. Casino feels derivative of Goodfellas. Um, yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, Casino's a great movie. I love Casino. Yeah, but I it did. feels derivative of what everyone is doing after post-Goodfellas. Where with Killers of the Flower Moon, he was able to take a similar type of structure to his crime drama and give us something entirely new with it. Yeah. With a similar skeleton. Uh, where Nolan, with Oppenheimer, an excellent movie, feels like every other Nolan film. And if anything, that's driven home because of the music. Wow, and, and, interesting. And how it's okay. So. Uh, all right. So Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. Best director. Mm. Uh, a lot of Some good directors, though, this year overall. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And some, and some good honorable mentions for sure. Okay, so we basically just have one more main award. Well, they're all main awards. We do have a lot of awards coming up still. Uh, but let's get into it right away, Ben. Uh, this is the best picture mm. of 2023. Um, we, we talked about it a couple times. It's not like you didn't watch all the films this year. You absolutely <laughs> did. And we got something to say about it. So best picture for 2023, Ben. The writing's a little bit on the wall. I think the writing's on the wall. <laughs> I've shown my the uh, daily rating is there. Yeah, yeah. I I just want to say that uh, I mean in in any other year, my two honorable mentions uh, for the holdovers and Oppenheimer mm. would absolutely walk away best picture uh, because I feel like um, holdovers was able to win me over in a way that uh, films usually do not. I'm not a very emotional type of viewer. Um, especially in the the job of the podcast. Uh, And Oppenheimer, I feel like, was able to just tackle the full novel of 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 a biopic you know what i mean it just didn't leave anything off the table which i feel is uh so much easier said than done especially when it comes to the palatability of a film obviously going back to oppenheimer that was held back a little bit uh from the coveted you know 85 and above because i feel uh, uh you know of that palatability, right. was there something there that uh, would would lose people? And I feel like talking about the film after the fact, it, it lost some people in the courtroom aspects, uh, the second half, post bomb. Um, it was yeah, it was not a flawless film, right? And in some ways, dragged a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't like the back and forth of the timeline, mm. but also the changing up of the black and white. Mm, sure, um, a little bit too much. Yeah, it's a little bit all over. It's not just that when it's black and white, we're back in time. Yeah, sometimes we're a lot of it we're future as sure. well. But yep, it's, yep. it's played with a little bit, and then you know also not a short movie too. Mm, yep. So not not flawless. Right. Right. Uh, and, and I would honestly say uh, a similar aspect to the winner here uh, that it wasn't necessarily flawless. 
But uh, much like the winner last year with All Quiet on the Western Front, mm. it was a movie that I feel when I sat down, it demanded my attention in a way that others definitely didn't this year. Uh, you know, Holdovers is a, a great example of something earning my attention and, and me wanting to watch it and maybe even wanting to watch it uh, uh, again and again. But uh, I feel like there was a gravity that, that happened and a worthiness that happened, uh, much like All Quiet on the Western Front last year. And the winner is the writing on the wall, folks. It's <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. All right. Yeah. Killers of the Flower Moon. Congratulations I to well Marty. De- yeah, well deserved for Marty. Listen, I, I you know, maybe there's a little bit of bias as far as with Marty here but like I said in that review I was preparing myself yeah. to shit on that movie I was really we were worried. both worried yeah we were I was both worried about it super worried that um, Marty's time has come and gone uh, and that he has these big productions that that yeah. unfortunately do not deserve as much attention as they were Killers of the Flower Moon surprised me in such a significant way uh, that uh, wow. absolutely, I'm, I'm fully confident giving it the best picture. And again, it's a little bit writing on the wall because yeah. it is an 85%. Yep. It is the best film we covered all year. Yep. Now, Oppenheimer got a 84. Mm-hmm. So that's how much we're splitting hairs there a right. little bit to an extent. Exactly. Um, single digits to uh, to holdovers, single digits to some other things as well. You know. Yes, and, and honestly, you know, Marty could have made probably a better film that would have made more money and mm-hmm. probably might even maybe even would have been a better film. Right. So because don't forget they th- he wrote the script and then the Osage Nation kind of read it or the the, okay. you know, the the leaders the chief. Yep. Um I think so. I yeah, someone they, from Osage basically reviewed it. Yes, didn't like it, and Marty scrapped the whole script and wow. started fresh because wow. the book it's based on. Don't forget, mm-hmm. is really the story of the beginning of the FBI. Yes, it yes. is. Yeah, it's, it's an investigation book uh, or novel of the actual killings and right. the, uh, and what happened after the fact. So basically, picture if this film is two hours and twenty minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's focusing on a lot of murders, but it follows Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. as the FBI agent mm. leaning heavily on the origins of the FBI story. Sure, sure. Or so, Jesse Plemons' character. Well, well I was going to say, have him as Jesse Plemons. Mm. And what if the idiot was played by Jesse Plemons? Oh, okay. Swap those two, make the film shorter, and make it more FBI mm. Osage than just really Osage heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That right there is, that is Goodfellas on the Prairie. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my God, that's that was brilliant. Me. I, I did not think, by the way, that's all that was me. All the co- That's all me. That's yeah. why we drink the booze for the Tom <laughs> Daly's, folks. We're loose. Um, but you know what I mean. Martin probably fellas on the Marty prairie. probably had something that was snappy or more cinematic. Yeah. But he he kind of panned it and and rewrote the entire thing. And what he did was made an unbelievable lens mm. into this time period. And I said earlier this specific time period. In this section of America mm-hmm. back then, and it just told the story beautiful of these people. Mm. Um, amazing. And an yeah. 85%, I mean, it's so good. Like I said, it's the number one film of the year. Kind of the writing's on the wall. Yep, yep. Um, and real quick, I'll just go through the go through some of the tops and best sure. type of deal. So, like we said, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon got an 85%. We have the top 11 films of 2023. So all of these are kind of honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. Starting kind of at that top of the list, we have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and Evil Dead Rise ties with a 79%. Mm-hmm. John Wick Chapter 4, oh, with a 79 as well. Yep. Sorry. We have Suzume, Ferrari, and Barbie tied at 80. Okay. We have Inside with Willem Dafoe with an 81%. <laughs> the Dark Horse. 
Uh, Blue Giant and the Holdovers tied for third best film with an 82. We have Oppenheimer with an 84. And like we just said, best film of the year, best picture Mm -hmm. goes to Killer of the Flower Moon with an 85. Uh, Not to forget about the rest of the podcast, the rest of the year, the other 157 (laughs) films. I'll go through real quick the top 13 films of 2023 on the podcast. Um, We have The Nightmare Before Christmas and John Wick 1 with an 83. Okay. We have The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Oppenheimer, and 21 Grams, tied with an 84%. Mm-hmm. The Sixth Sense, Adaptation, Killers of the Flower Moon, tied with an 85 Wow. We have uh, uh, tied for third plays of all year, If Beale Street Could Talk and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> with an 86%. We have, Both phenomenal movies. But. Uh, tied for second, Ferris Bueller's Day Off and The Truman Show, mm. with an 87%. But the number one film of... Of the year on the podcast, 246 films watched. What takes the crown is Kubo and the two strings Mm. with an 88%. Such a wonderful film. An excellent, excellent film. Animation as well. Love it. Should we just go through, before we get through the other sections, should we go through some of the worst films that we could Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. All right, so the top 13 worst films of 2020. I love these numbers. Top 13, well, top 11. Some are tied. You know what oh, I mean? Okay, so, okay but, I got gotcha. uh, As far as 2023 films, <laughs> the top 13 worst. We have The Nun 2 with a 34%. <laughs> Silent Night with a 33%. The Pope's Exorcist with a 32 oh. We have Insidious, The Red Door, and Fast X with a <laughs> tied for a 31 Wow. We then have Adam Driver's 65 with a 30%. Oh, God. The Exorcist Believer with a 29. I know we're getting bad. Yeah. Uh, Shazam! Exclamation point. <laughs> Fury of the Gods with a 26%. Nefarious with a 24 <laughs> Re- <laughs> Rebel Moon Part 1. Yeah, there it is. A Child of Fire with a 22 Number three, third worst film of the That's year. That's not even top three. Expendables 4 with a 21. Oh, my, my Big God. Fat Greek Wedding uh, <laughs> 3 with an 18%. And the worst film. <gasps> I know what it is. Uh, and then the worst 2023 <laughs> film is Magic Mike's Last Dance <laughs> with a 13%. <laughs> Take your grandma to it. It's the tamest <laughs> Magic Mike you will ever see. Um, and then for the entire year, like I said, that was out of 90 films or 89 films. Ugh. 200. 46 films watched this year in 2023 on the podcast top 18 we have mothra vs godzilla magic mike double xl shazam fury of the gods 47 ronin tied with a 26 percent wow 47 wait wait hold up that is legitimately <laughs> yeah. the houdini winner <laughs> i know wait what when did i cover 47 ronin i was shocked when what? i saw it it was shocked what but i swear to god beginning of the, the keanu uh, run beginning of the i don't even know beginning, beginning of the year beginning of the year uh 26 percent. we then have insidious chapter two mithrigan tied with a 25 oh, we have yeah. nefarious and something in the dirt tied with a 24 percent. we have the happening and rebel moon part one and child of fire tied with a 22 <laughs> we have expendables four with a 21 Hey, boy, get ready for a big bad monster. We have Terror of Mechagodzilla <laughs> with a 20%. Invasion of Astro Monster at 19%. My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 with an 18 Magic Mike Blatt's Dance with a 15%. Third worst film of the year, Dungeons and Dragons with a 13 Wait, wait, it, wait, wait, wait. The original. Oh, okay. The original, okay. 2000. I, 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 my heart dropped a second. I was like, I gave the new Dungeons and no, no. Dragons. 2000's Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, second worst film, uh, Gadira, Three-Headed Monster, a Godzilla <laughs> film with a 10%. And bad. finally, the worst film of the 246 that we watched, Godzilla, Final Wars, oh. with an 8%. Well, yeah, well-deserved as that a 8%. poopy, poopy, 8%. Even, even Ghidorah, Three-Headed Monster, that's the one where Godzilla dances. He has a victory dance in it. It's not Oh, my it's God, not, oh my God that's good. right. Yeah. Okay, folks, so I hope you're all with us here. This is a longer episode, but fun. <laughs> and now they can skip yeah. around and everything. Thing yeah. like that, but I needed to go through those numbers so we know That's what we're great. doing. I that that Top was awesome, yeah, because we got to split up 2023 and then the whole year, yeah, you're covering 140, 57, yeah, other, yeah. other films, right. you know. But okay, folks, it's time to get into some of those special awards. We're in a different mm. category than Tom Daly, still yes. a Tom Daly award. They look the same, they smell the same, <laughs> they touch and feel the same, but it is the special awards. Before we get into our first award, though, that we are co- carrying over from last year, because we are carrying over some from last year, Hell yeah. some I'm going to surprise you on. We need to play a game first, though, Vin, to enter <laughs> us into this new genre. That's okay. right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to play Name That. <laughs> Movie. <laughs> yes. Name that movie, ladies and who, gentlemen. Who, who spoke up there? This is, this Who's is that a voice? Game, I don't know. Sounds like a handsome fella. Uh, this is a game, Name That Movie, where I am going to read the quick two to three line synopsis of a film okay. that we watched this love year. It. And you need to guess what the film is. <laughs> I love it. That's so By the good. way, and I didn't know whether to go. Do I go all 2023? Do I not? These are... Three 2023s and three 2022 films. Oh, okay. So okay. even though those are older films we covered, right. still pretty fresh yeah. in the mind. And some of them might be obvious, but they go along with our next award that we're actually up. <laughs> so, okay, once again, name that movie game. Yep. Okay. The game. <laughs> get ready. So, motivations are suspect and expectations are turned to chaos as a con artist takes on Manhattan billionaires. Vincent Daly. Name that movie. Uh, that sounds like Sharper. Wow. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Sharper. Hell yeah. 2023 get a 70%. Kind of yeah. like the movie. I kind of did. I kind of did. So Sharper. Wow. You remembered that. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> okay. Sharper was starring Julianne Moore, I believe, still this yes, year. Yes, yeah. And it was, was um, it Apple release or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was Apple release. Okay. It was also uh, Sebastian Stan. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Okay, here we go. A woman reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps between as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. <sighs> Vincent Daly, name that movie. Oh, man. Uh, this sounds like After Sun. It's After Sun. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow. Great. Okay. All right. This guy's doing really well. <laughs> Destroying the next award. Destroying oh, the next award. Okay. Let's go with something else that might be crazy obvious here. Okay. We have the son of a traveling pastor overcomes physical obstacles to pursue his dreams of playing baseball in the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most obvious one. Oh, but I forget the name. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the name. Uh, wait, 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 the Hill? This is The Hill. Ah, yes. Yeah, oh, son of a bitch. Three for three, folks. <laughs> okay, the game is falling apart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here's our next one, Vin. We have. I did watch these movies. All right, well, that's true. <laughs> A drama about the power of human connection during turbulent times set in oh. an English coastal town in the early t- 1980s. Oof. That's tough. You watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, early console town in the 1980s. Ay, ay, ay. 
One more time, read it through. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> a, a drama about the power of human connection during turbulent times in an English coastal town in the early 1980s. Is it Belfast? It is not. It is Empire of Light. Oh, yeah. Of the course. 2022 release that was kind of right. talked about a lot last year. Yeah. We yeah. finally got around to it. Not so hot, 62%. Sure, sure. Uh, um, uh, Roger Deakins, uh, cinematographer. Oh, shit. That's why oh, I watched it. Uh, apologies to Roger. <laughs> Uh, the, Sorry, Raj. <laughs> Empire Life, 62%. By the way, After Sun got a 48, and The Hill got a 41. <laughs> um, okay, let's keep it going. We have a young woman with a wonderful fiancé, a blossoming career, and supportive family and friends finds her world crumbling in the blink of an eye when she survives an unimaginable tragedy. Uh-oh. In the following year, she forms an unlikely friendship that gives her a fighting chance to put her life back together and move forward. Oh, that's like I, a whole I, damn paragraph. You lose me on these dramas, though, because <laughs> hey. I really have to think about like the arc of these dramas. Uh, that was the most words, I will say. It was the most words. Didn't say the most. <laughs> damn it. Oh. Name that movie Vincent Daly. Oh, no. I don't have even a guess. He doesn't even have a guess. I, this is 2023's the new release, A Good Person. Oh, God. Was that directed by Zach Braff yes. or something like that? Yeah. Yep. By the way, your girl, Pew. Yeah. Right? Forrest Pew was in it. Yeah. And what do we say? Who's the big actor in it then? Uh, uh, who's Morgan Freeman? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that came and went. Never really a good did. person. You gave us sixty three percent. Yeah, that was in this this realm of family dramas coming out. Mm, Remember that? Yes, yes. Yeah, like a six month period of that. Yep. All right, our last film here for Name That Movie, we have a couple of influencers are invited to a luxury cruise ship alongside a group of out-of-touch wealthy people. The situation takes an unexpected turn when a brutal storm hits the ship. Vincent Daly. Name <laughs> That Movie! Uh, this is Triangle of oh, sh- Okay, yeah, all right. I, so. yeah, I, so. I mean, how many movies have we ever covered a ship? For <laughs> sake. But okay, Triangle Sadness, yeah, kind of came and went. Yeah, I think it will be uh, maybe remembered. It also has, what's his be. face from? <laughs> Woody Harrelson is in it. No, but it has uh, the guy from Iron Claw uh, that I mentioned. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. That was a 2022 release. A lot of people watched it in 2023. Mm, yep, yep. Uh, 61%. All right, Vin, thanks so much for playing uh, Name, that- Name That Movie. <laughs> you did pretty well. Four out of four out of six? Four out of six. That's very, very good. Yeah, I wasn't expecting any. So thank you for playing the game. But now the reason why we did this whole game, <laughs> we needed that to introduce us into the next award, which is the classic we're bringing over from last year. This is the Houdini the Award. The Houdini. So ladies, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you're new to the Tom Dailies, the Houdini Award goes to the film that could disappear and no one would notice, let alone care. Mm. Um, and on these categories, or these films I put here are Sharper, A Good Person, The Hill, After Sun, Empire of Light, and Triangle of Sadness. Wow. I, I love that this was the lead-in <laughs> to this. <laughs> I think it has to be A Good Person. Because I really, I like genuinely, <laughs> genuinely forgot about yeah. it. So honorable mention, 47 Ronin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. For real. Because that, that was scary. I thought I had a, a, an Alzheimer's scare the problem, when you said I lo- <laughs> 47 Ronin. I like playing the game, name that movie. The problem is, is when I have to combine it with Houdini, sometimes yeah. the descriptions are so obvious mm, sure, sure. that it's tough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, okay, a good person. Yeah. Uh, you gave a 63% but deserves the Houdini Award I won't for be the re- most forgettable, essentially. Yeah, I won't be returning to Zach Braff anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> okay, all right, let's keep on going. We're going to do some other carryovers from last year. This is the Sweet Smell of Success Award. Ah, uh, yes. And this is for the movie that it didn't. this film didn't need to perform the best, mm. but it was the most surprising. 
Again, folks, if you're new, last year, Vin covered The Sweet Smell and Success, which was a film out of the 1950s, doomed for failure. Uh, Vin watched it, (laughs) was absolutely taken aback by it, loved it so much, gave it an 87%. That's in the Mm -hmm. must-watches for the daily ratings. Uh, 87%, you just don't hit that much. So Sweet Smell and Success, the most surprising film. We have If Beale Street Could Talk with an 86 the man who shot Liberty Van- – well, let me just say, if Beale Street could talk, because it kind of seems like that kind of went, came and went a little bit. Mm, yeah. And it was talked about in the time, but a 28, 2018 film. Yeah. Uh, I forgot it existed, and you watch it, 86% you gave it. The man who shot Liberty Valance. One, because it's a Western. Two, because it's John Wayne, and usually that doesn't mean you're getting out of the 60s or 70s. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. You gave the man who shot Liberty Valance an 84%. Yeah. In the Moon for Love, you mm. gave an 82%. Yes. In the Moon for Love was our first dip in the podcast, really, mm-hmm. for dipping ourselves, for getting into kind of Chinese films, yep. or at least Hong, Hong Kong directors. Yep. Uh, 82%, also one of the very few pure, true romance films mm. we yes. have ever covered. Absolutely. You gave an 82% in the Moon for Love. That is critically praised, that film, but still, mm-hmm. uh, 82 is very good. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, everyone knows the name. Everyone knows it's a big film. Mm, yep. You gave it an 87%. And when we were drifting, when we were doing a uh, – who's the writer? Uh, uh, John Hughes. When we were floating around in a John Hughes study that yep. was ending up in like the mid-60s. Yeah, like, was yeah. was kind of losing traction. Right, right. Uh, John Hughes struck with Ferris Bueller's Day Off at an 87. It really felt like the pinnacle as well of everything we were building towards with that writing study. Yes, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, we have Magic Mike, the first one. Magic <laughs> Mike you covered in the Magic Mike episode. <gasps> oh. You gave a 71%. <laughs> you were shocked with how much you loved Magic Mike. <laughs> Uh, next one on the list, we covered it before, <laughs> Evil Dead Rise. Uh, it won Best Horror. It's a 79%. Mm. Again, a franchise you didn't love, and another movie no one was asking for, you especially in the franchise. Yet, Evil Dead Rise comes up. You loved it. You gave it 79%. And lastly, The Holdovers. Mm. Sure, Alexander Payne, the director, has a lot of respect among people, comes yep. out with a film here or there. He can be weird at times. He's yep. always a little bit smaller-based, a little bit more indie-based. We even covered Sideways. So right. We were like first diving into Alexander uh, Payne. No one was... Unbelievably anticipating this film. Right, right. Uh, you even thought the trailer looked a little bit weird <laughs> and the trailer was did. shot a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, but the holder was came and then he gave it an 82%. Mm. Of course, we talked about it a lot tonight. So yep. the Sweet Smell of Success Award, The Holdovers, Evil Dead Rise, Magic Mike, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, In the Mood for Love, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and If Beale Street Could Talk. Ooh, wow. Well, I, I let me just say, <laughs> I would love to give it to Magic Mike because... <laughs> I know you would. I know. Multiple people in my life said that, oh, you're going to like Magic Mike 1. I go, no way. Doomed for the 30s. Yeah, Let's say doomed for the 30s. Right, right. And that special, or not special, that episode that we did, folks, if you haven't listened to it, don't let Magic Mike scare you away. I think that is one of the most fun times I've had in covering these these movies, which were like not either of our demographics in right. the slightest. But it was it, it Magic Mike one won me over in the sense that holy shit, I actually care about this male stripper and what right, happens right, right. to him. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I think I want to give it to holdovers, though. Not wow. to, not to, not to. Uh, really, it probably should go to Beale Street Could Talk. But I knew I was probably going to like Beale Street Could Talk. Big director, right? Going into it, but if the sweet smell of success is about anything, it's about the surprise. And I think holdovers was the surprise. It wow. won me over okay. with its feel good. Damn. Okay, uh, holdovers win again yep. for the sweet yep. smell of success award. Eighty-two percent. It did surprise the hell out of you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, where Beale Street better movie, but. 
I kind of knew it had Oscar buzz. I loved right. the soundtrack already. Uh, it, I was kind of anticipating the director a good coming time. off a of Moonlight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so next on the list, folks, we have the Kane Mutiny. <laughs> it is the alter ego of the Sweet Smell of Success, and this because short was shot in the fifties, but Vin heard so many good things about the Kane Mutiny, <laughs> and it came, and sure enough, it ended up in the thirty percentile. I forget. I forget. Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Thirty nine will always be the Kane Mutiny score. Um, and so this Kane Mutiny, it's not necessarily for the worst film of the year but it's the most disappointing mm. um and that's where this comes in we have napoleon with a 49 percent right <laughs> the reason why <laughs> just like your fear for killers was flipped on its head yep you were scared for killers you were nervous for it but it man it won best picture yep uh we have napoleon coming in from ridley scott being absolute trash <laughs> the, the continual slippery slope for gave ridley it a 49 percent <laughs> Next on the Kane Mutiny, The Exorcist Believer. We were scared for it. You weren't even looking forward to it. However, a 29% is really bad. Yeah. We have out. Real quick note with Exorcist Believer. I feel like retrospectively, if I did a full Exorcist episode. Oh, you would would hate it more. Yeah, I would have hated it more. Uh, I really would (laughs) have. Thank God we didn't. Yeah. Uh, Outlaw Johnny Black. Uh, If people don't know this film, it was a smaller, low-budget film, not in theaters, not in a lot of theaters. But this was coming off of the lead – what's the lead actor's name? I forget. Oh, I forget Something J. White? J. White? Yeah, uh, Michael J. White. Michael J. White. Yep. So uh, he was the star Mm -hmm. in a film that we love, which is Black Dynamite. Yes, and this was a spiritual successor to Black Dynamite. And now he's writing, directing, looks just as cool. You thought he was good. Outlaw Johnny Black. You were looking very much forward to it. You gave it a 36%. Also – on the Kane Mutiny is 47 Ronin. The reason why is Vin loves Japanese uh, lore, loves yeah. Japanese samurai. It's got John Wick in it. Right. But John, but 47 Ronin unfortunately got a 26. Wow. We have Magic Mike Double XL with a 26%. Oh. Because after Magic Mike surprised everybody with a 71, how could they get the character so wrong right. that they built up in one? Oh my god. And how could crush they crush it in two? Right. How could they take a character that I actually cared about and the sequel is let's go to the stripper convention? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he gave Magic Mike Double XL 26. And lastly on the list was Godzilla Final Wars. Oof. In our Godzilla special, this came out, I believe, in 2004. Yeah, it's, it's the last of, before the new age right. uh, of Godzilla. And this is what the fans apparently... And for our Godzilla special, if you want to tackle it, it's a beast in, a, in its own right. <laughs> it's, it's but go ahead and listen. Um, <laughs> Godzilla Final Wars was supposed to be a good film. Vin was somewhat looking forward to it because the fans love this film. Mm. They love all the kaiju in it. They love yeah. all the lore coming back into it. They thought maybe it was going to be the best performing Godzilla film. <laughs> and for Vin, it was an 8%. <laughs> It was not only the worst so performing good. Godzilla film. Oh, yeah. It was the worst performing film of all year. Yeah. And in fact, podcast, even pre-podcast, I believe it's the second worst film <laughs> ever time. on the Daily Ratings. <laughs> yeah, Final Godzilla Wars Final Wars bad. with an 8%. So, Kane Mutiny, Magic Mike XXL, 47 Ronin, Godzilla Final Wars, Outlaw Johnny Black, The Exorcist Believer, or Napoleon? Oof. Uh, I think it's a tie between Napoleon Whoa. and Outlaw Johnny Black. Okay. Uh, I'm go gonna new give films. It to, go uh, new films. Yeah. I, I'm going to go new films. Uh, believe me, the Final Wars, as soon as I saw the first creeping CGI okay. and the Power Rangers level production, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I knew that was like real, real bad. Um uh, I'm actually working on a special now oh, that uh, that has a real, real bad one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say, though, Napoleon was disappointing because I, I really Ugh. was looking forward to a 
you know, the concept of a Napoleon biopic, you know, to the point that that fueled me seeking out Waterloo and watching Waterloo, right. you know. But I think it goes to Outlaw Johnny Black because, boy, let me tell you, I <laughs> love Black Dynamite. I think it yeah. is one of the best comedies. It is so consistently out loud laughing funny, uh, and Outlaw Johnny Black just had none of the magic. None of the magic. None of the magic. It, yeah. You said it was too long. Yeah. It was almost too boring. Boring. The, the punch wasn't there. You yeah. had to drive I, it. I drive- <laughs> Drove an hour each way. Yeah, between that and Blue Giant, which right, I also right. drove to the same theater for. Right. So let me tell you. Yeah, no, no. All right. So the Kane Mutiny goes to Outlaw Johnny Black. <laughs> uh, we should just note that last year, of course, we named him after Kane Mutiny and Sweet Smell of Success. So yep. they kind of win. But I believe Sweet Smell of Success went to um, – did it go to Moby Dick? Because I think he gave oh, Moby Dick yeah, a, a so. 50s movie, gave it an 87. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and the Kane Mutiny – I'm sorry. No, Sweet Smell of Success – Went to, I believe, uh, the Cook movie uh, oh. with uh, M. Oh, uh, the menu. The menu. Yes. I think yeah, you wanted to stick it to 2023. Both That's right. Both very good. Um, and then the Kane Mutiny went to. Oh, I, I, know, I actually just posted this. Oh, wow. Did you? <laughs> I actually just posted this. I think it went to. Oh, no. Maybe this was the Houdini Award. That was a Houdini <laughs> that you yeah. posted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, listen to last year's episode. but <laughs> Yeah, I guess we need to. <laughs> um, okay, all right. So. Now, these next one, two, three, four, I have five more awards for you. Wow. Ben. These okay. are, these okay. are the secret awards that I compiled. These mm. are true Tom Daly's. They have just as much punch. They're just as real. Okay. Uh, Vin doesn't know what these awards are, correct? You have not in been privy? In the dark. Okay. 100%. So we got with the old stuff. Now, in with the new. We have All the Room in the World Award for the, <laughs> for the primarily single location film that best, that best uses its small set that it was stuck in. Ooh. These are all 2023, by the way. Wow. So this is Inside with Willem Dafoe stuck in a New York apartment, essentially. Absolutely. We have Nefarious that's primarily stuck inside a jail. (laughs) Prison cell. We have Leave the World Behind that takes place pretty much in a house or on the grounds Mm -hmm. of a house, Mm -hmm. primarily. Mm -hmm. Skidamarink, which actually, Mm. which absolutely takes place inside of a house. Arguably one hallway. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And we have Missing, taking place inside of a phone or a computer in a house. <laughs> well, it, it can't be Skidamarink or Missing, because it's just bad movies. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to give it to Inside. Inside was, got, yeah. was is the only thing missing from all of the honorable mentions that we talked about. Yep. In the, in the, in the, it wasn't our top five when we yeah. did our top five films. Yeah. I messed up on that. I was going to open with, with this, too. Mm. I messed up on that podcast. The intro to the podcast, uh-huh. I, I say we could have had seven films on there mm-hmm. because Inside was tied with Barbie and at the time Suzume. Oh. We didn't do Ferrari yet. Okay, okay. That's a lie mm. because Barbie and Suzume has an 80. Inside has an 81. Oh, Inside was right, the right, right. true fifth best film of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and we didn't talk about it much this, this, mm. this episode. But yeah, Willem Dafoe. Just Willem Dafoe <laughs> yeah. stuck inside of an apartment. Right. And, and was, was so for me, it was um, – uh, such an inventive film and in how it presented its its tension and its its if you will survival aspects to it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like yeah. cast away in a penthouse, which I know maybe I, doesn't sound great. It's what you said in the review, yeah, and it's so that. Yeah, I watched it later in the year as uh-huh. well. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really, really liked the film. That's great. Okay, so all the room in the world award <laughs> goes to Inside. <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, next we have the better side of a coin or a coin toss <laughs> award. I love these names. I was really struggling with this name, and I had like three different variations. Okay, uh, and there's two awards in this one award. So, Better Side of a Coin Award, Vin. Okay. Out of all of the animated films, you rated something like 23 animated films this year. Uh-huh. 
Four of them got a 72%. No way. You're going to hate this award. <laughs> so you now need to pick which one is best. Out of the 72. We have Transformers, the original, with a 72. Oh. Puss in Boots, The Boy and the Heron, and Rango. All with oh, the 72%. 72. Wow. I Flip did a coin, Miyazaki, who gets the better side? I'll say I did Miyazaki <laughs> dirty. Uh, placing it that next to Rango. Boy in the hair next to Rango. <laughs> I don't know if I can face the fella, though. Uh, I definitely... Well, uh, go through them one more time. Okay, Transformers. Uh, and that's the, 19, the OG. The oh, it goes to Well, Puss in Boots, we liked. Nah, Transformers okay. is a movie I was ecstatic with. I wanted to give Transformers the movie such a higher score than 72, but I was like, in no way can I defend <laughs> okay. this movie more than a 72. <laughs> uh, I really love that movie. That movie was excitement manifest. Like, okay. That was like a... Man, such a good, else. good cartoon. Like, it's so good. <laughs> All right, so the better side of a coin for the 72 percentiles is Transformers. Oh, yeah. Now, Great st- soundtrack, too. Tom got oh, it for me God. on vinyl, so. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so sticking with the same better side of a coin award, yeah. and this is really the inception of where this idea came from, especially with the coin flip. We always say the coveted 50% mm. on the daily rating mm-hmm. can be a coin flip. It's where yeah. do you put this review? Yeah. It can absolutely hit for some people. It's not going to hit for some. Also, it was just not hitting out enough marks. It's not that good of a film. Right, right. Too difficult. I don't want to defend it. Too, too bad to say it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, too good to say it's bad. Yeah, yeah. And in 2023, you gave three films okay. a 50%. <laughs> All right. You got to flip that coin and tell us which one wow. wins. We have Elemental, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, oh, yeah. and Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> All got 50%. Vin, which one's the best film? Holy smokes. Holy smokes. I think they're all 50% on the dot? Yeah. Oh, man. I was kind of hoping Bo is Afraid was in there, but <laughs> I forget where Close. It's that. close, but not quite there. Um, I would say probably Last Voyage of the Demeter. Uh, Gets the better side of the coin? I think so. I think so. Just because it had wow. amazing monster design, like the the, the, wow. the Dracula creature is it, it's, it's cool. really cool. I yeah. thought you were going Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay, <laughs> wow. I think I defended that film enough. Last, <laughs> Last Voyage of the Demeter, even though they all get fifty, wins the Better Side of the Coin award. <laughs> Excellent, Vin. Okay, this next one is the General Anesthetic Award for the <laughs> for the film that will most likely or most quickly put you to sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> that, this is my favorite new new award. The, <laughs> This got to stay for next year. These are all 2023 films. Okay. We have Nefarious that you gave a 24%, 65 that you gave a 30. I gave a zero shoe by the way. Yeah, yeah. Skinnamarink with a 45. Oh. Wish with a 52 for being so ungodly generic. Mm. The Hill with a 41% for being ungodly forgettable. <laughs> and Insidious the Red Door for just being awful and another Insidious film. More Patrick Wilson. The General Anesthetic Award for the film that will most likely or will most quickly put you to sleep. <laughs> I, you know, for the scope of the award, yeah. I, I, I got to give it to Skinamarink because that movie wow. will put you to sleep. Okay. If you are not like engaged with like the implied horror right, of right, it, right. Uh, that movie is literally silent. <laughs> so. <laughs> you said people left, but you said people were angry at the end too. Uh, with Skinamarink, yeah, I feel like it was... 
uh, people were waiting for something. Right, exactly. It was, not... it was distinctly unsatisfying. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. So the general anesthetic war goes to Skin and Marine. We, uh, we talk bad about that film. And we talk good. But talk good about yeah, that film. Yeah, yeah. Like the director, hopefully he's got a future. I, I really, that that's that's one that I really hope for a, a good follow-up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why I knew I was going to surprise you by putting him on the um, Keep an Eye Out Award. Mm, yes, yeah. yes. Okay, folks. Okay, buckle in. We're getting internationally here, folks. This <laughs> next award goes to the Il Film Causato Mielia e Italia Award. Oh, paisan! Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, this film, the Film Causato Mielo e Italia Award, is for <laughs> the film that best used or utilized Italy as a filming location. <laughs> These are all Did because. I have that many? <laughs> So, folks, if you're not too familiar with the mo- with the podcast, because yeah, yeah. we're also we're talking a lot here, so people love shooting film in Atlanta. People love oh, shooting film in Toronto. Right, but right. if you're going overseas, apparently the new hot spot is Italy. Yeah. Vin and I are convinced it's for tax purposes. <laughs> tax purposes. But 2023 hosted a lot of films uh, shot. <laughs> Yep. Uh, in Italy, so New spaghetti westerns. So. Again, it might not be the best film. It yep. could be a bad film, but it's what best used or utilized Italy <laughs> as a filming location. This is Equalizer Three, oh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol Part One, right. Ferrari, of course. Yep, yep. A Haunting in Venice, <laughs> Fast X, yep. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, <laughs> and The Marvels. <laughs> <laughs> The if films the the if film oh, the if film causato Emilio e Italia award goes wow, to wow that's amazing is it wrong that I want to give it to Fast X that's very wrong it's very wrong you don't go Italy you don't go Ferrari there's a bowling ball in 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 the Vatican you know it's big bowling ball no obviously goes to Ferrari okay all right. Uh, okay, goes to Ferrari. Uh, uh, remember how much we were talking about that all year? It's mm, like, wow, this one's shot in Italy. This it's one's true. That's I a had, good I had to highlight this. That's a great callback. It's, yeah. it's seven films. Yeah, yeah. What are the Marvels doing needing yeah. Italy? That's what I'm saying. Tax purposes. It's about the taxes, folks. <laughs> it's all about the taxes. Uh, okay, and then we only have one more uh, okay. Tom Daly award here right, that I'm going to surprise go. you with. And I thought we'd end on something nice. Yeah, right. This is a three of a kind award. All right. Okay, for the trio centered film that has the best acted or the most enjoyable trio on screen. Mm. Obviously, film is always going to center on either one person or a duo, mm-hmm. a couple, a friendship, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something about 2023, the more I went over these films, and actually through the year, I was kind of prepping this award. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some beautiful trios on screen. Yeah. And I wanted to highlight that. So, the three of a kind award, uh, again, all 2023 films. The Holdovers, featuring Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, and Devon. Find Joy Randolph. Mm, yep, definitely a trio. May December with Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Charles Melton. Oh, true, true. Past Lives with Greta Lee and T.O.U. <laughs> and the American fling, John Magaro. <laughs> that can't be the win just because it's so awkward as okay. a trio. I mean, skin crawled. The Marvels, which the only thing that you enjoyed was the trio of Brie Larson, Tiana yeah. Paris, and Iman Villani. That's a good point. Blue Giant with Shitaro. Oh, boy. Ma- <laughs> with Shitaro, Mamiya, Amane Akiyama, and Yuki Yamada. You did phenomenal. Thank phenomenal. You. Uh, Blue John, even though it's animated, those three it were is, the film, the, yeah. the entire film. And it's also film. the jazz trio as well. And lastly, they cloned Tyrone with John. 
John Bo- Boyega, <laughs> Jamie Foxx, and once again, Tayona Paris, who was also in the Marvels. Yeah, yeah. But I thought this was good, and I'm sure you could find more yep. in this year. You could probably wedge Iron Claw in there or something mm, like that. Definitely the, true. But yeah. I thought because of the father and the other brother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three of a Kind Award. The Holdovers, May, December, Past Lives, The Marvels, Blue Giant, They Clone Tyrone for the trio-centered film that has the best acted and or most enjoyable trio mm, on screen. Wow. Well, I I love this award. Yeah, that's why it's last. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um, hmm. Honorable believe mentions? It, uh, believe it or not, I feel like it's a tie between Holdovers, which just a, a, a favorite as far as the year. But this is an area where May-December can actually shine. Uh, because wow, I feel okay, like okay. the dynamic of Natalie Portman researching the woman and then that uncovering the mess of the relationship right. with the guy. I'm sorry, I don't, forget the, the Charles Melton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who uh, you liked. You yes. thought was maybe the strongest of the three. Oh, we had talked about that earlier. Yeah. Let me say that. Without a doubt, stronger yeah. than both of those actresses okay. uh, here. Yeah, I, I, I think I might... I might want to give it to May December, but I think it's no, I no. think it's all over. So I, 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 there's actual enjoyment, and then there's like conceptual, you right. know, praise. Uh, okay, so the holdovers for the three of a kind award. I thought you might have played even with they clone Tyrone. Oh yeah, uh, I that, think that's it was a an extra release. Yeah, came and went, but you love those three yes. on screen with that story. I, I love the the Jamie Fox shout out earlier as yeah. well. Yeah, like, uh, absolutely, he was so entertaining. Okay, all right. So that's pretty much it for the Tom Daly's. We only have one wow. more, which is actually maybe two more. Uh, but the Three of a Kind Award goes to the Holdovers. Okay, what do you think of the new awards? I love them. Okay, I I, I said this last year. My favorite part of these awards are your your <laughs> the surprises, right? Because <laughs> it's it's just you're able to like capture like what actually maybe matters on some of these other ones that like. They're not going to be in the top runnings of the year, right. but like they're all interesting in some way and, and through lines. Oftentimes, yeah. like last year, you kept on touching on things. You kept on touching on films that had no idea what they were doing <laughs> or thought that they did but didn't. Right, you right. know. So I at least that's the one thing that I can say that I do on the podcast yeah. here is I'm the person in the car listening. I'm yeah. the person who just I'm focused in every week and I sure. can kind of get those things. You were so. 246 films. One, you got to watch them. You got to do mm. notes. I can pick up on maybe those through lines. Yes, yes. And just bring those Absolutely. older films back back into life. Absolutely. Uh, do you like the idea of keeping some old awards going? The Houdini oh. Awards, Sweet Smell of Success, and K Mutiny. Absolutely. Okay. Those are those are, those are the Stall Awards. Those are those are legacy awards. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. The only other two, like I said, basically are the uh, the Golden Laces and then the Daily. Mm. You need to give. What, what do we call yours? Uh, daily recognition. Da- I think was the working title. Well, that okay. <laughs> Did I combine those? Because I tried to do a daily rec. Uh, I brought up daily recognition for. Oh no, we did. We did up and coming. Well, <laughs> are we promising are- around the corner? <laughs> Whatever it was. Oh my god! Yeah. So what I I'll tell you what I did. Yeah. So the daily recognition was your golden laces, uh, and then I kind of hijacked that, and I said, you know, for things that need more than just an honorable mention, we should give the daily recognition. Right. I retract that. Okay. Is there a film that you wanted to highlight? Do you have a daily recognition award that you would like to give out? Uh, more so like if the daily recognition is a personal fave, um, Correct. much like the golden laces is a personal fave. Yes. I it, This is where I was really questioning actually best director. Oh, wow. I want to... 
give it to something that obviously maybe some you know fellow critics, more uh, schnobbish kind of movie fans <laughs> will will kind of raise their nose at and say, oh no, that's not cinema. Uh, it's John Wick Four. I think John wow! Wick John Wick Four was. <laughs> Wow, okay. John Wick 4 gets the official... The official daily recognition. Wow, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I, I mean, thought maybe you were going to go Eileen after all the Eileen talk. Not, I mean, definitely up there, but uh, John Wick 4 was just... You got to understand, you listen to those early episodes of the podcast. Yeah. Quality, maybe a little shoddy aside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm always mentioning John Wick in having to be a shorthand oh, so for true. talking about good action or uh, fight choreography or how you build uh, a reveal for a character. Uh, and while John Wick Four was not what John Wick was for me, and 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 as an appreciator of, of, of movies, yeah. and lover of movies, and lover of action, uh, John Wick Four was just such a. It brought it home. It brought it home for pre-podcast something that was already a meme between yeah, you and yeah, I, and yeah. uh, just so satisfying, you know. So that wow. is the, the you know John Wick. Four is I, I I love in a way that I'm willing to fight anyone on, much like Crimes of the Future was last year. So excellent, John Wick Four gets a daily recognition. Yep. Um. Yeah, and that budding that yeah that and uh, Crimes of the Future. The fact that those are the two so far, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, don't forget about Crimes of the Future. <laughs> oh, people forgot. People want to want to black that out. <laughs> Um, excellent, excellent, Ben. All right, so what's the what's the golden laces? All right, so now you've we gave, have you've gave. Let me say this much: you have stepped up your movie reviewing so much this year. Oh, thank you, wow, thank you. Ben. Uh, you have uh, started taking notes. You have uh, started. To... I feel like I really ban- I just. I feel like I go down rabbit holes and tangents, <laughs> and I kind of destroy the podcast when I talk. <laughs> no, 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 not, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when it comes down to it, it's like I feel like the Golden Laces is important because it is, you know, it, it, it's it's the it's the recognition for something that worked for you, but doesn't maybe work for a critic. You know, what I mean, that's right, you're, right. you're the audience score. You know, in, in this type of oh uh, well, I like that. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's it, this is purely kind of one hundred percent my own my award. Yes, essentially. Right. So, folks, uh, the Golden Laces Award is what I give out. Uh, it it's not necessarily the best film, mm-hmm. but it's the film that I think one is probably really good, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be a film. But it's more so what deserves an extra slap on the back mm. and it kind of you to man. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it, it's it's another reminder. It's called the you to man right? award now. <laughs> it's another reminder of don't forget about this film or this person. Oh sure, sure. It's, it's a thing of you know again. It might not be the best of the best of the year in whatever mm-hmm. category, but it's something that deserves that extra recognition, much mm-hmm. like a daily recognition, and something that I absolutely loved. Yeah. Uh, but n- notably, when you as we enter into 2024, uh, don't forget about this or this is what I mm. came away with loving. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year went to the Batman. Oh, because yeah, I yeah. felt the Batman. Mm-hmm. Sure, you gave it a good score. Mm-hmm. I had watched it after the podcast. I, I I liked that movie so much. Sure, my favorite was All Quiet on the Western Front. It sure. had an incredible shoe rating. Yeah, but you know the, the Batman. I just felt needed that extra slap on the back, an extra hey, like yeah. don't forget about this type yeah, of deal. Yeah. So I have two honorable mentions, and then a winner, of course. So the Golden Laces honorable mention goes to Jason Schwartzman for oh. his performance in Asteroid City. Yeah, uh, I never liked Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman, really, I, I actively didn't like him. Okay, like, it's not that I it was an annoying. Right, it was it was, it was annoying. And after watching his performance in Asteroid City, 
Uh, I loved his look. I liked the way he delivered lines. Mm. I thought he him as a believable character. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a very, very good job at that yeah, performance. Absolutely. Uh, I really enjoyed Jason Schwartzman in Asteroid City. He's also had a pretty big year as well. He was the villain in Across the Spider-Verse. He was the spy. Oh, okay. There you so, go. Oh, yeah, yeah. So another runner-up and... Uh, you know, at first I thought the winner was obvious, mm-hmm. but it was this scenario where I looked at these two, and it was much closer than I thought. But mm-hmm. this is still the runner-up. Uh, once again, not a movie, but goes to Robbie Robertson. Oh yeah, uh, That's Robbie great. Robertson, who was was a leading member of the band in the band. Mm-hmm. And Vin and I have a, a personal connection with the guy. We love the band. Mm-hmm. It, it's very important uh, to us personally, yep. but also in movies, Robbie Robertson was huge and had a massive influence on Robert Scorsese, uh, <laughs> <Robert> <laughs> uh, Martin Scorsese. And I, it's just because we're a movie podcast and killers of the flower moon came out this mm. year. Robbie died this year, uh, yes, unfortunately. but he finished in full his work that he did for killers of the flower moon. Um, I, I just wanted to mention his name again. Mm. I don't want him to be forgotten in film or in general. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to his work in the band, uh, he was also born on a reservation as a kid in, in like in Canada. Right. Right. And I do have a, there was a private concert, a tribute concert to mm. Robbie Robertson in California. And Scorsese, uh, spoke at, it. Oh, and really? I took some words from him and an article that was written about it. Is it okay if I read it sure. a little bit? Again, just I as love a, that. a little bit of a remembrance of Robbie Robertson, at least as film goes. Yeah. So Scorsese first met Robertson during a concert documentary film, The Last Waltz, in 1976. The duo collaborated for decades after, with Robertson serving as a music producer and composer on films like The King of Comedy, Silence, The Aviator, The Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. and most recently, Killers of the Flower Moon. On talking about when real collaboration started, Martin Scorsese talked about the making of Raging Bull. Quote, We kept working together for the next 45 years. 45 years of mutual education, 45 years of me discussing the films I was making, the individual scenes. I tried to express the atmosphere, the tone, trying to create the music that would complete my vision of that world and what I needed. And as we talked, these words became the music on Raging Bull, the soundtrack of the world that I grew up in, Scorsese said. He called The Color of Money the turning point in 1985 of his friendship with Robertson, with the musician bringing in recording artists like Don Henley, Robert Palmer, mm-hmm. Eric Clapton to produce songs for the film. Later in his career, Scorsese said, I scored Casino in 1995 with pre-recorded music that needed to be constant. It had three hours of wall-to-wall pre-recorded music, and Robbie walks by and he says, listen to me, this is it. And it was the theme de Camille by Georges Delarue. Mm-hmm. Robbie said, remember this piece? And that simple suggestion opened me up to a whole new set of possibilities. I can use music from other films and score it in my movie. Mm. Why not? I didn't have to be limited in my choices. He broke barriers for me and took away all these old limitations. Robertson also left his creative mark with specific needle drops on films like The Aviator and The Wolf of Wall Street. Scorsese recalled he wanted The Aviator to end with Leonardo DiCaprio's character looking into the mirror and seeing the American future with the right song playing. Quote, I needed something to express it, but nothing felt quite right. I was really stuck. And then, after a screening, Robbie walks by sort of like a ghost. He turned to me and just said, don't forget, Moonlight Serenade. And so I tried it, and it worked. Scorsese said that one of Robertson's greatest achievements was crafting The Sound of Silence in his 2016 film of the same name. It was a major challenge because we were trying to find what sounds like silence. It's very Mm. difficult, says Scorsese. But we were friends. 
I feel friendship is private. It's trust. Sometimes it's forgiveness and it's love. But sometimes silence suffices. Silence can be enough. And that's another thing about this guy. As much as Robbie's words had eloquence, his silences were just as eloquent. It was a little unnerving at first when I got to meet him. Just sitting there looking, I had to think about those silences. And finally, Scorsese added that Robertson's last collaboration with him for Killers of the Flower Moon was one of the most beautiful scores ever written for film. Quote, his music is the beating heart of the picture. He said he called it the pulse. He always had to pay off on a punchline. A great conclusion, Scorsese recalled. He was a storyteller, not a raconteur. A real storyteller went much deeper than a raconteur. He held you within the rhythm of his words and his pauses, and it all became music later. Ultimately, everything is music, and it gave me a deeper understanding of gravity and the great human tradition that he somehow was born into. End quote. Wow. So I hope that wasn't too long. Uh, no, I, I phenomenal. Know, I know it was a little long. And, and also, I mean, in lieu of a, you know, remember who has has passed this year, right. Robbie. I mean, that it's, it's it's he's a he's a big big person in both of our lives. So yeah. I think that's wonderful, Tom. He, he, I, and I think it's going to be forgotten about. So mm. just for this year, I wanted to. I know it's long. I just wanted to read it. That's wonderful. And people can go back to it. And you know, he's he's done a lot more than just film. Yes. But since it's a movie podcast, it's Martin right. Scorsese coming out with Killers of the Flower Moon. And I really didn't know how involved he was, even in oh, uh, so like, many pictures. Let's say he's not part of the normal project or the official project. Right. Marty uh, would Marty. go to him. Yeah. yeah as, a as confidant. Like a, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, wow. So, um, doesn't win the Golden Laces Award. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Robbie. We're moving on. The Golden Laces. <laughs> I, I didn't talk much about this film after I saw it. Okay. I, di- I didn't see it for the podcast. I oh. saw it after. Okay. But it's a 2023 film. I did manage to watch it in the movies. And halfway through the film, I knew it was was obvious to me. It stuck out like a shining beam. Mm. This is getting the golden laces. This is a beautiful movie, a phenomenal movie, a real movie movie, Mm. which sounds crazy. But I swear, watch this film and turn off the lights, get engaged, turn it up. And Mm -hmm. this film feels like a movie. When you watch a film going back in the 90s, 80s, the 70s, or the 60s, when okay. you turn it off and say, that was a great movie. Mm. This gets that feeling down. It's so good. Okay. Uh, and it is, no surprising at this point, The Holdovers. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, I we didn't talk about it much. I did tell you, like, weeks later after that, I saw you, it, that, you, that I saw yeah. it. I freaking loved. That's great. Like, was in love yeah. with this movie. I don't know if it is the best picture yeah. of the film, like of the year. I mm-hmm. might have to go Oppenheimer Killers or something like right, that. Right, right. Uh, I think I liked Oppenheimer a little bit better mm. than Killers, mm-hmm. but The Holdovers easily gets the golden laces. It's showing up in the mail tomorrow, folks. It's <laughs> an amazing movie. That's great. Yeah, and you know what I mean by it feels like a movie. Absolutely, absolutely. And I feel like it's it's as far as the job of recommending movies, The Holdovers is such a. Uh, not inoffensive. That's that's the wrong. That's almost like a backhanded compliment. Right, right. It it is really for everyone. I feel it tells a human story. It tells a story of loneliness, and uh, uh, I absolutely agree. I think. And that's there's a no frills. Pick. It doesn't yeah. try to be more right than the story. Yeah, like yeah. Zach Braff wish he could make this. Oh movie. my God! Right. You know right. what I mean? Uh, I really any of these uh, kind of emotional dramas wish they could achieve the the genuine feel of right. The whole exactly universe. right. Um, so yeah, the holdovers, and I feel so bad. You know, I had was talking to producer Sean mm-hmm. after I watched it. I was like, "Oh, love, we loved it. We loved it. You got to watch it." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Yeah, he goes. I don't have to watch it move in the theater though. I can just watch it when it's mm-hmm. when I'm at home." Right, right. And my initial thing that I told him, I was just like, "Oh yeah, you can, you can. It's a movie you can watch at home. Mm-hmm. Watch at home." 
And now, just think about it more and more, man, I wish I could go back in the theater and watch sure, it. Sure, yeah. it felt like that movie. You Absolutely. Know? I but think uh, that's great. That's I, all I got. That is, that's all I got. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful segment. And, and again, uh, fantastic, Tom, with the uh, the uh, in memoriam for Robbie Robertson, our, yeah. our version of that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, uh, and that's what it was. It was yeah. just a remembrance and a memoriam mm. because – He's gone now, and sure. he's going to be forgotten. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> Much like the band. I mean, who knows the band exactly? Anymore, you know. And the only comment that I could think of that when I was when I was uh, putting together that piece was basically, you know, how people say that like there's a comics comic, mm-hmm. the one that the people don't really love, but oh, yeah, the yeah, comic yeah. that other comics really love. Yep. Robbie Robertson was a musician's musician. Absolutely. Uh, you know, everyone knows Eric Clapton was one of the best. Yeah. Who does Eric Clapton say was one of the best? Who does Eric Clapton love mm-hmm. is Robbie Robertson. Absolutely. And it goes back to their studio days as well. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Still didn't go to the Golden Laces. Goes to the holdovers. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Schwartzman. And Jason Schwartzman. In, in the rear. Uh <laughs> Okay, Ben. All right. So this is our longest episode uh, ever. <laughs> I could imagine. But I think it's uh, this is good. Yeah. People can skip around wherever the hell they want. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, folks, that goes on. That's it for the Tom Daly Awards. You can always mm-hmm. come back to this. Listen, I might throw it in the newsletter or in the future. I don't know. Put something together where it's there. People can go back to. Yep. Um, that was great, Vin. I love your picks. Love the back and forth. I love your it. picks. Yeah. And, and again, these these dynamite categories. I love the, the surprise categories more than the real yes. categories. <laughs> Which that's was, how much. What was your favorite surprise category? <sighs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> probably, honestly, it's probably Kane Mutiny once again. Because oh, really? The, the sting of Kane Mutiny is, uh, <laughs> is, is ever present. <laughs> it's such a shorthand for me not to talk about It's very funny. <laughs> um, okay, folks. So basically, uh, just our, our final segment of the podcast here, kind of block C, if we were doing it in blocks. <laughs> or block three, is uh, we want to talk about 2024. Sure. And what's coming up in films a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I have a whole list out a little bit where we could talk and what you're excited for. Yeah. Not excited for, Vin. Any standouts, though, as far as you're concerned, for the year 2024 in film? I, I think it's Dune 2, uh, just because yeah. I, I, I'm also excited to see if it's going to be a part three. Uh, I don't know. I haven't I have oh. tried to stay away from... A lot of the production talk, because I feel like there are spoilers even in, you know, uh, who's being casted as what and my kind of approximate knowledge of the Dune universe. Right. There's certainly enough books yeah, to keep the franchise right, going. Right, yeah. yeah, Dune 2 and I know I know we're kind of on opposite ends of this. I oh. do. <laughs> I know exactly what you're I'm a say. little excited for Furiosa. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Just because, you know, I mean, I, I do I think it's going to be Fury Road level? No. Am I very concerned over Chris Evans? Yes, okay. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think I think Anna De, uh, not Anna Darmus. Um, Anna Taylor Joy. Anna Taylor Joy. She looks badass in it. Uh, I love the I'm Mad Max. Not Max excited. Universe. That's so crazy. The I, universe. Wait, I, I understand everything. Of a, a Furios, <laughs> silence. A, a Furios. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when that was first announced, and I feel like I wanted my was girl Charlize. to be in right, it. Right, yeah, right. Charlize is my girl. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> Following her for years, for years, and she was so good. I mean, that's the thing. Mad Max Fury Road was so good. Mm, yes, yes, and I think doing this, I don't, I don't think Anya Taylor Joy can hold a candle to what mm. happened in that film. Interesting, and it might not all be her fault. Well, I'm hoping that's where the the racing, the the Mad Max madness. I, I, I hope. I'm hoping that's where it, it holds up. You know, but you mean? watched the trailer and were like, we're excited. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh my right. god! It's so funny. I was talking to other people about. They're like, you thought that was good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I was like, all right, I guess I gotta watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a daily recognition for 2024. 
Right, right. Okay, so Dune Part 2 and Furiosa, Mad Max a saga. All right, you, you run down the list. So I have a bunch listed here. I'm, I'm way more excited than 2023. Okay. And again, I wanted to just go through stuff. One to maybe uh, spark some other people's, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't in the headlines yet, so you're not sure about it. Right, but I right. think a lot of these might hit for some people. Yep. And uh, and for us, too, because God knows you watched 89 this past year. You're probably going to be <laughs> right around 90 next year. <laughs> so you got to be excited for something. Yeah. Uh, I'll go in chronological order of when they're coming out. Okay. We actually do have some in the early of the year. Yeah, nice. It's almost every week something is coming out that maybe mm-hmm. we can be excited for. Mm-hmm. So January, the week of January 19th, Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell. Oh, uh, and this is okay. getting a theater release. I don't know if it was technically 2022, but it's getting okay. a proper release in 2023. Okay. Um, it's getting extremely good reviews. This is a Vietnam story. It's a first-time director, and apparently it looks amazing. Wow, okay. Um, and it's set in Vietnam, and, and that's it's the 17th beautiful. of January. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. So it's coming up. But Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell, another kind of small film that probably is going to be in like a wide, wide release, but still in theaters. Uh, I think the week after, something like that, two weeks after, we have a movie called The Peasants. Okay. And this one I highlighted for you. Um, it's apparently an entire... Entirely hand-painted film. Whoa. But it's from the makers of Loving Vincent. Oh, Which okay. we covered last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which, with Willem Dafoe. Um, and apparently they've been working on this film and painting this film since... Since uh, Loving, Loving Vincent. Vincent. Which I think was 17. Yeah, I 2017. Think so. Wow. It's also, I th- believe, it's a Polish story and a Polish film. That's which great. I'm all about. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like Poland. <laughs> I got a little bit of Polish blood, too, in me. <laughs> So I thought that was interesting, and you might like that because yeah. that movie might have not hit in all levels. Loving Vincent, right, but it right. was so unique of a it's film, so unique, and and definitely a a, a team I want to see more of. If right. that's now going to be their thing, you know, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, they're working their asses off on it. And then in February, uh, this was the animated film I said was original mm-hmm. and a little bit excited for. It's called Orion in the Dark. Oh, okay. Uh, it's coming out on Netflix. The animation is done by a a small French company. Okay. Uh, called Micros Animation. Uh, it's produced by DreamWorks, which oh, is okay. why, why it's how it's getting sure, this kind of Netflix sure. release. Yeah. Uh, but Micros' other works was actually the new Ninja Turtle movie oh, that okay. you liked, and, and, and then Paul Patrols as well. <laughs> uh, but most of all, it's an animated original film, okay. and it's uh, written by Charlie Kaufman. Oh, my <laughs> God. The, the Kaufman study, and, <laughs> the unofficial Kaufman study continues. I, I, it's it's a random Micros animation coming out on Netflix. I feel yeah. like it's going to be brushed on the rug. If Charlie Kaufman is is attached, Involved. attached yeah. writing the product, I mean, you gave An- uh, Anomalisa an eighty. Uh, yeah, absolutely. As uncomfortable absolutely. as that film could have been, uh, uh, very uncomfortable. But but again, animated and 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 crazy. And uh, so, is, is this going to be a kids? It's movie? kids. It oh, is kids. Okay. Orion and that, the Dark, which is even weirder for Kaufman. But but I like that because Kaufman, unlike so many of heavy style creators or or, or artists, or however you want to, you know, he's he's writing specifically. He's he's looking like he's always pushing the envelope. It's not right, like a Wes right. Anderson or something that he falls into lazier habits or or, or, or stylistic habits. Yeah. So uh, if he's doing a children's film and maybe not making it batshit crazy, I, I mean know. that's fantastic. And it's called Orion in the Dark. It has to do with like stars and oh, nighttime cool, sky. Cool. I think stuff. It could that's be awesome. pretty cool. Also in February, uh, we have Enio, which is a documentary on Enio Morricone. Oh. Wow. Which, and you had talked to me kind mm-hmm. of recently, being like, I'm thinking about maybe doing some more musical documentaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that would be a great starting point. Absolutely. If you want to make a, a whatever out of that. Uh, one of the most uh, I'm looking forward to, me personally, mm-hmm. and I think we, you as well, 
It's called The Taste of Things. Okay. Have you heard about this no, one? No, 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 no. Again, I believe it came out in 2022, but it's getting an pr- actual release, and it counts as 2023. Okay. The Taste of Things, apparently, it's getting really good reviews and uh, an amazing food uh, movie. Mm, okay. And a love story, a romance movie as well. That's great. And I think this could be potentially up there with like a big night or something. Oh, right, right. Uh, or what is the one that we just talked about? Uh, the is, Menu? Yeah, The Menu, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But The Taste of Things, apparently great food movie. That's great. Um, Bob Marley, I'm not excited for at all. Uh, and it's I, being so promoted. I know. I, I feel like it's going to be generic at best. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I feel like it's a plug-and-play kind of music biopic. So. Plug-and-play is yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Uh, still in February, though, there's a movie called Drive Away Dolls. Which is, oh, yeah. Okay, Ethan Cohen's next film. Yes, yes. Uh, looks interesting. I like uh, that main chick as well. Uh, she's been okay. in some stuff. What is the deal with the Cohen brothers? It, like, oh, Ethan is really just directing now I think they're just kind of doing their own thing uh, okay. we had a similar split as well I don't believe one of the brothers was involved in the Macbeth, uh, Macbeth. yeah, yeah okay. exactly uh, of course Doom Part and right away March 1st Doom Part 2 is coming out yep. it's a, this is a way more solid year than last year it's crazy <laughs> I also have one called One Life and okay. this is Anthony Hopkins stars it's a it's it's a World War II movie, kind of, but it's more focused on uh, people and stuff. Mm. But basically, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, he's, he's in his 90s. Again, it was a 2022 small film, but being released in 2023, okay, okay. apparently the performance is pretty good. Yep. And who knows how many more Anthony Hopkins films we're mm, going to get. True, true. Uh, again, this goes along with uh, The Taste of Things and Orion in the Dark. Uh, Mikey 17. Uh, oh, Coming oh, out yes. uh, in March, starring Robert Pattinson. Yep. Our boy. Yep. I'll put him in uh, your boy, too. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's here. He's boys. Robert Pattinson uh, with Bong Joon-ho directing. Yep. Don't know what it's about. Don't want to. I don't want to read a damn thing. Right. You know, I don't want to watch a trailer. <laughs> And and uh, no less the the follow up to Parasite. I don't think Bong's done done anything else since. I, right, so. I think this is his next one. Mikey seventeen. Mikey seventeen uh, in March. I have a note on here. Uh, birthday weekend looking pretty slim as far as the week. So we might. It's <laughs> <laughs> already planning the Devo over I, here. I have three films picked. Okay. And I watched. Uh, I watched two of them, and I watched one of them two and a half times already. Holy shit! Yeah. Okay, so uh, it's looking no, a little slim. I'm just saying. No Battleship Potemkin. Well, or, the first. Omen is coming out. Right. It's history. That was history. Godzilla vs. Kong. No, Propaganda got film. No, <laughs> got no interest in Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, right, um, right. In May. That looks so impossibly tacky. They gave Godzilla like a, a chain whip axe. I know. And the and CGI looks bad. Yeah. It, it looks it looks very cartoony. And maybe that, that'll be a good thing. You know, they just lean fully into the hand. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, I'm kind of excited for Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Yep. I think this is a sleeper big franchise blockbuster that's oh, actually not bad. And I've got a soft spot for Andy Serkis. If, if I would... I, I floated the idea and I still have to plan it out. If I was to do another big like two-part episode it would be with the planet of apes films because we have the original run and then we have the new run i forget the breakdown of the ogs yeah the and, OGs, and mark Wahlberg is in one uh oh right because there's like early 2000s yeah one then oh yeah that's right that might be a little bit too much <laughs> we'll see we'll see okay but okay. i'm with you uh, i think um that is a definitely popcorn movie but Kind of Kinda also good. weighty sci-fi, you know, talking yes. about like man and you know, yeah, and a, a film you and I get that is so CGI heavy, but mm. we appreciate it, uh, right? Like a CGI that we can actually be like, that's good. Yeah, like, if good anything, work. it's an it's an Andy Circus special for the new one. Exactly, he does. Oh, yeah, 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 he does all the the mocap. 
ballerina. I, I, are you excited? Uh, no, but no, you know, it'll. It, I'll do it. I'll watch it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, we'll see if a JW universe expanded. I don't even know. J- <laughs> expanded John Wick universe is J-C-U, gonna be good. I don't know. Wick CU. Uh, in June, a movie that got pushed from uh-huh. 2023 to 2004 is The Bike Riders. Oh. Uh, which was this was uh, with Tom Hardy and Austin Butler, oh. the biker gang movie. Oh, that's right, that's and right. That's where Tom Hardy has the really weird vo- voice in it. Oh no, really? He's like talking like this. Oh no! Oh, like Venom? <laughs> like it's Venom oh, New York oh, oh. voice? No, may- maybe Tom Hardy can go two ways. He definitely can. He definitely. <laughs> who knows? Who knows which way? He's are gonna we gonna go. get Bane or are we gonna get <laughs> Venom? Tom Hardy, New York, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but apparently, I'm cool with Austin Butler, too. Sure. Like, yeah. young actor coming up. Yeah, all yeah good. absolutely, absolutely. I do have on here for also the end of June, Horizon and American Saga Part 1. <laughs> so Kevin Costner, like, absolutely tanked the last season and messed everything up in the last season of Yellowstone. Oh, Which I'm really? not the biggest fan of. But, like, oh, okay. apparently he's such a diva, and he's tanking that. He, he's probably not... He's not well, maybe, go ahead, it's go too, ahead. maybe it's too deep. I was going to say how he tanked it. He tanked uh, it basically so, like, everything that's dumb today. Uh-huh. Uh, Yellowstone's last season was broken up into two parts. Mm-hmm. Finished part one, part two came, and the Kevin, Deadson. Kevin Costner doesn't want to play ball anymore. Oh, he thought He's, like, out. He said it's because of scheduling and money or something like that. Oh, it's like, uh, what are you how, doing? How do you do that? But this yeah. entire time, he's also been working on, like, what's apparently going to be What's supposed to be a great Western, a oh, two-part okay. Western. Okay, okay. Uh, Horizon American Saga Part 1. That's a he tall also, order. Uh, I believe his marriage was trashed in all of this, too. He's not dating <laughs> someone else in all wow, of this. Wow, wow. Um, that's coming out June 28th. Horizon Part 2 coming out August 16th <laughs> in the same year. In the in same, the same year. year. Wow, it's like a rebel moon. Which is like kind of cool, but yeah. I don't know. Um, so I think it might be terrible, but we, we have to see. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't like Yellowstone. What do I, what's my even note here? Kevin Costner, Western, absolutely collapsing the last season of Yellowstone <laughs> and possibly his marriage, but supposed to be a big-time Western, wow. question mark. Wow, Well, and to be fair with Yellowstone, I mean, I, I don't yeah, watch the yeah. show. I, don't, I really couldn't give two shits. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, The second part of that last season hasn't come to a close, right? Uh, I don't think so, no. Oh, okay, so, you know, up in the air, I guess. It's, it's not uh, like a Game of Thrones where it's said and done. Yes, up in the, the air, not looking good. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I <laughs> pro- Project Artemis, um, so the name is not final yet, okay. but it is a comedy uh, with Scarlett Johansson, Channing Tatum, Woody Harrelson, and Ray Romano. Oh, wow. He's one of the lead stars in a comedy coming up. Okay? Uh, and folks, Scar Joe, Ray Romano, are you no, kidding me? Do not hide it from the <laughs> folks at home. You are into this only for Ray Romano. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Finally getting the phone calls after his... Uh, what Brief a, appearance in, in uh, Irishman. In Irishman. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm, that's why you like the Irishman too. <laughs> I like it for more than just Ray. You like the the promise of Ray Romano having a dramatic act. Ray is fantastic <laughs> in that film. Uh, Twisters, I'm looking forward to. It's a Twister sequel. So yeah, the original really is a soft spot in, okay. in, in my heart. Uh, and this is just called Twisters, and it's a remake of the original, um, and starring Glenn Powell. Oh, okay, interesting. I've never seen the original, so. Really? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we, I have, to, we have to watch that this year. Okay, yeah, absolutely. We pair it up because I mean, it's Bill Paxton who's now passed. Yeah, but I like Bill Paxton, and a very young uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is also in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of a killer film. 
don't know why I always I always mix twisters and tremors and I don't know. Oh, uh, oh it should not be. Okay, no, uh, no, no, Tremors this. is a joke. Twister is a good movie. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Twister, good movie. <laughs> or at enough. least it was last time I watched it. God knows, twenty years ago. God knows. Uh, I have Horizon Part Two here. Uh, two things. Uh, your thoughts on A Quiet Place Day One? Oh, and I... Alien Romulus. What? There's another alien. It movie? says Alien Romulus. Oh boy! I know nothing about it. Oh boy! <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I'll be excited. I don't know. I, I, I'm like a, uh, I'm like an abused them from the Alien franchise. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> You'll still come back for more. So yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll leave that. I'll, I'll wait until see a trailer. Um, what was the first one? Quiet Place Day One. Oh, uh, I think my my thoughts on Quiet Place have really cemented with Quiet Place Part Two that it just felt like an episode of TV. So if they're okay further trying to build like a cinematic John universe. Chris Krasinski not attached too much, oh, yeah, from my no, understanding. I, I think I think that's a pass. I mean, I'll cover it, but okay, uh, you know, I, I don't have high hopes. Uh, otherwise, we have Beetlejuice two coming out in September. Damn, with uh, I be- yeah, with Keaton. Wow, Michael Keaton. Wow. So we'll see how that goes. We have uh, the second Joker film, Joker Folly a Do. Yeah, apparently it's a musical. Uh, I yeah. don't love that. Yeah, I, I don't. Love that I either. love Lady Gaga. Sure, as right? an actress, right? We covered yeah. this the other week. Absolutely. Uh, and Lady Gaga is the main, the main gal in it. Yeah, and, and a further. Well, not main uh, gal. She's playing uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, furthering um, that type of look at Gotham too, a very realistic Gotham. Um, oh, really? Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of uh, of Joker, of just how. Um, how like trashed New York it looked like, uh, like like really like almost Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? That that's well, the, that's, the that's, critique of yeah. that film is that it's copying Taxi Driver. But um, yeah, I can't wait to see just more of that type of Gotham. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Uh, and then other thing I have, I have a few other notes. Getting into November is Alto Nights. So Alto Nights <laughs> We're in November already. Yeah, well, hey, that was a lot of films. Uh, no, I, uh, more, I don't know. I gave you January and February. Well over half of okay. I have no idea. About and, the, and don't forget, we have the major film festivals, which yeah. is going to release more of this small crap. Sure. Or, which or, it could or be very good, but award we're not. hitters. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's all going to pop in here as well. But into November, we have Alto Nights, um, directed by like big director Barry Levinson, mm. who also did, um, I just put it in the newsletter, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Yep, yep. But Barry Levinson directed Mob Movie, starring Robert De Nero. It's called Mob Movie? It's called Alto Nights. Oh. <laughs> Alto Nights, Barry Levinson directed Mob Movie with Robert De Niro. Interesting. Uh... We'll s- I mean, I don't we'll know. I mean, we'll yeah. see. I'll give you just gave him the best supporting. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Bobby doesn't lie. <laughs> Who knows what Bobby's up to? Uh, Barry Levinson, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a big-time director. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, later November, then we have Gladiator 2. <laughs> no. But what's his face isn't attached, I think, right? Uh, Ridley Scott. Is he directing no, or not? I think he is. Yeah. It's gonna be trash. And he's probably involved in the in the alien Romulus. Garbage. It's gonna be garbage, yeah, right? Of course, because a guy. I did hear something about um, who it, it's. It's not Russell Crowe anymore, though. Uh, correct. Russell, uh, Russell Crowe didn't even get a call. That's kind of insulting. I mean, granted, he's Chub Crow for a minute now, but yeah, he needs to get back in the wagon. He needs to like. He needs to have an Oppenheimer moment, like like Robert uh, sure. uh, or uh, uh, Killian Murphy. No. The oh, other, oh, Robert. Uh, Robert, uh, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. Pro, yeah. Too many, too many bobbies. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll see with Gladiator 2. I personally don't have high hopes for it. I feel like Gladiator 2 will be identical to Napoleon and be, you know, uh, maybe acceptable as far as like production Tied for value. Mutiny. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, Nothing uh, like those quick shoots for a major film. 
<laughs> for a sequel to one of the best films. Um, and then as far as films go, what I'm excited for, and one of the biggest for the year in December, is uh, December 13th, The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim. What? Which is was, an actual Lord of the Rings movie? This is the animated one. Oh. From like the legendary producer, production company, or director, or something like that. Oh, I I, I don't know. Did yeah. we talk about this before? We might have, because it was actually supposed to be a spring release. Oh, it okay. now got pushed back to, it obviously, a winter cool. release. Cool. Uh, Lord of the Rings, War of the Rohirrim. No, it's a huge anime uh, produced. Yeah. Wow. I guess I'm kind of kicking myself over covering those the animated ones prior to this. Right, right. So that would have been a perfect episode <laughs> spot, but that's cool. And then, uh, question for you. Jordan Peele was supposed to come out with a movie this year that probably got pushed to 2025. Mm. I'm really curious to see what you're going to like. Uh, it's, it's looking like horror is taking a step back for 2024. Uh, awesome. I love. Yeah. Uh, but people We've are enough. People are already talking about, which is opening Christmas Day, which I hate, but uh, Nosferatu, new movie. Oh, yes, yes. And I've the director is from the guy who made uh, Lighthouse yep. and Witch. Yep. You yep. like both those films. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, people Big really fan. like that director. Yep. And apparently he's tackling, and he, like very passionately, Nosferatu. Mm. What Eggers has been able to do with mythology in yeah. his movies. Uh, you look at the witch and how it pulls from like folklore. You look at Lighthouse and it pulls from she shanty tales and whatnot. Uh, and then probably most of all is the Norse mythology he was able to be pulling from for right. the Norsemen. Uh, oh my God, the Northmen is right. The yeah, Norsemen. let me tell you, I I'm very excited to see what he can pull to get a creative Dracula film or a Nosferatu. It's, film. it's quite an IP he's grabbing yeah, from. Yeah, that's awesome. And to name it Nosferatu. Yeah, that's yeah. great. It's coming out. <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> uh, but those are the movies I have listed here. Some notes and stuff. Um, That's a serious list. And other, other than that, like I said, all the redo animated stuff. I mean, Mufasa is going to be one of the biggest uh, animated films that's original, but not original. Mm, right, right. It's you know? the uh, it's the Dylan uh, it's the uh, Disney villain IP. Right, uh, right. That uh, that they'll continue. The Kung with. Fu fan of four. I mean, I don't know what I mean. Good four spot. Yeah, yeah. Good episode. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. Maybe we'll cover pose-making uh, bow buns yeah. or whatever. <laughs> uh, those are the films I'm looking forward to. I thought we'd highlight. Uh, That's great. A, a better list of 2023. Let's at least uh, say that. I, I think uh, you have turned me around on it because the list that I have are the big ones like Beekeeper and and uh, right, yeah, new I, Ghostbusters. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all the franchise hype. Yeah. Uh, and no interest in those. Yeah, and that's a decent amount there, even yeah. in January and February. Yeah, this is a good segment because uh, you opened my eyes a little bit with it. So. Okay. All right, Vin. Other than that, this is, like I said, our longest episode. We went through the awards, talked about 2023. Uh, any other closing notes for you, Vin? Uh, Just a heartfelt thank you to everyone at home uh, listening. Uh, we have big plans for the coming year. Uh, and more importantly, uh, always more movies to watch. So uh, <laughs> there's always movies to watch. Always to touch yeah. on that too. 2024, folks. Uh, 2024, Vin and I want to really be kind of almost you can see it as the opening year for the daily ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, short some of the even the earliest stuff. I think I started taking care of like our URL just mm-hmm. to save was 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2022 was getting on our feet and trying to record some pre-recorded stuff. Last year, uh, you know, we really kind of went live in March. Uh, so 2023 was really the full year we had as far as mm-hmm. an actual calendar year of doing this. But 2024, we want to reach more people. Yeah, uh, We want to get out there more. We want to be finely critiqued, fine-tuned. My, uh, my New Year's resolution 
is to actually get all the movies that we basically have mm. onto this site. Sure. And I know I've been saying that. I know you've been hearing that for a while. Vin and I kind of changed the way how we do some of the stuff on the back end, especially when you are on this site looking at a movie and you see all the additional credits, the producers mm-hmm. and things like that. We changed a lot of that stuff going on just to be able to move forward. Uh, I had to go back through hundreds and hundreds, probably 600 films, mm-hmm. just to fix make those corrections. I wanted to do that by the end of the year, and that happened. So this year, I want to focus on getting all those films up. It is going to be a complete list, films that we ever even talked or touched on. There's a lot more that needs to go on that site that Vin has covered for the past eight, six, seven, I don't even know, sure, right, right. for the many, many years of doing this. 2024 will be our arrival year, kind yeah. of, and we love seeing the numbers tick up slowly, and it is slowly going up, sure. but they are. Uh, and we hope, we love that so many of you have been along on the ride and growing. It was great to see, we had about 21 different producers this year. Mm-hmm. We had many multiple producers, some stalwarts, some classic producers, which mm-hmm. are just absolute friends of the show at this point. Absolutely. That we thank so much. We hope so many of you will produce in 2024, especially as we get our name out. Like Vin said, we want to give everyone a huge thank you for letting us keep this going, being interested enough to come back week after week and have more people come with each and every week. Uh, If you can, just get the word out there. Every week I say, get us in the conversation. That's where we want to be. This whole value for value thing, the producer model, the value for value, the V for V model, Mm -hmm. uh, it's new. It might take people to catch on or it's just, it's a different way of podcasting. Uh, so many times you go on a podcast and you just you hit in the face with ads mm. and you just kind of get numb to it. You don't even realize it yeah. anymore. Think about how long this episode would be with ads. Oh my God, it would be terrible. <laughs> how many mattresses could we pitch to people? How many mattresses? <laughs> uh, but the idea is we're really trying to do something different. You know, Vin and I want to keep on doing this for years and eventually build a pretty big audience. And we don't want to deal with pitching products we don't give a damn about to you. We don't want to just lie to you just so we get money in our pockets to go to advertising companies and say, look how many downloads we have. Uh, We're building a bit of a community here, a family here. And that's the point of value for value of becoming a producer. If you're getting value from what we're doing here, from the podcast every week, are you enjoying it? Are you into movies? We're just making you laugh. It's fun to hang out for an hour with us every week, or in this case, three hours. Um, (laughs) Basically, that's value in your pocket. We ask you to give us value back in our pocket. You go to thedailyratings.com and head to the donations tab. And through your monetary support, you show us what value you're getting. uh, And you also become a legit producer of this, of the daily ratings. Uh, Just like in Hollywood, when you financially produce to something, you are a producer of that thing. Uh, If you want to be a producer of the daily ratings, like I said, it's at dailyratings.com. Head to the donations tab. Uh, We love and thank all of you who have been listening, who have been joining this year, and most importantly, producing. Uh, There's been some great producers this year. year. We thank you so much. We are so excited for 2024. We have great things uh, coming. We have some more compilations on the site. Mm -hmm. We have some different ideas. We're going to be rolling out some different specials this year also that we haven't done before that we're super excited about. Mm -hmm. We think that you guys are going to like too based on some feedback we've got Uh, and some other goodies. Uh, We have talked about in the past, brought up by a producer, by the way, uh, Vin and I are going to start implementing different tags on movies. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to have a So Bad It's Good tag, yep. and we're going to have a Tommy Two Shoes tag, so you know what's going on. If you're on a film and say, what the hell is that? Oh, we got a Tommy Two Shoes. What did it get? It'll be there. And that's being a producer. So I'll just shout out Matt D. He supported us on, on an episode. He supported us on many episodes. Mm-hmm. But on one note that he wrote into us on a donation is that we should have some type of symbol, some type of tag, some yeah. type of recognition. Absolutely. When a movie gets a designation from Vim that, you know, it's so bad, it's good. You know, it's a bad score. <laughs> Delicious garbage. But maybe watch it. 
Uh, and then, of course, we have our My Tommy Two Shoes and the ever-changing scale that everyone seems to be confused <laughs> about. Um, but when I feel the need to give a movie a score, I give it my own two-shoe score. Uh, Matt D. was a producer. He suggested we add some type of tag, and we're doing that. And that'll be rolling out here in 2024. All these small changes, but we're building, we're growing, uh, and we thank you all so much for going with us. Other than that, Vin, I think we're going to see you next week with a new mm. batch of films, yes. correct? Yes, yes, <laughs> And so we start 2024. Yeah, it's 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 all starting over. <laughs> the, the torment never ends. But luckily this year is looking better than the last. Uh, nothing like starting a movie podcast post-COVID. Oh, uh, right, right. <laughs> Uh, Vin, I'll just take quick 30 seconds here to thank you. Uh, <laughs> listening to your reviews this year, like I said, I listened to at least every episode three times. Right. Your reviews uh, have always been good, mm-hmm. even back in the couch days when the mics weren't turned on. Mm-hmm. We're always good, always informative and very poignant reviews. Uh, this year, you honed in on something special. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of research just to get an idea also of other reviewers, other mm. so-called critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really appreciate your voice when it comes to all of these films, sure. for the films of what we watch, and uh, I'm excited to build this with you. I think you're a real talent. I'm excited to be on this side of the table. Yeah. I really appreciate these reviews you put together and uh, creating the daily ratings. Here. I appreciate it, Tom. I appreciate it. All right, folks. With that, hey, listen, we're going to be back... <laughs> And don't forget to tune in next week. We will be back just as normal for a na- for another 250 films, potentially another 90 brand new 2024 films. Folks, we love you. We thank you so much. And we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast.